Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome back to your favorite wrestling podcast, The Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio, the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. I'm here with the captain, Rich Krejci. Rich, do you remember when we used to make fun of shows that gave their host gimmicky names? <laughs> right, a chair shot and, and uh, you know, bone saw and all those. Yeah, uh, the, it, the crusher. It, it, we, it was blade job and crusher. If you That was us, yeah, you yeah. Who job. was who? Was who was I blade job and you were crusher? I do remember. Or? You... You were Crusher with a K because it was oh, of course, yeah, the yeah, alliteration yeah. with the KK, uh, Crusher Krach. It's just not one more K, and then we'll get in trouble. But you know, and uh, <laughs> exactly, you stay away from the one K. You but, made yeah. that joke five years ago when we did this bit. But. That's true, but no, nobody's. I mean, there was like four people listening. That was Larry. Um, I not even my mom didn't even listen then. So it was just Larry, and then like three other people from Virtual Sports Network. So yeah, I think I tell you, I think Trevor the Irish Wrestling fan remembers the blade job and crusher bit as well he was og yeah so, i think he has he has made that joke on twitter before so he was one of the four that was listening so, so that's that's impressive you were crusher with a k and and you'll remember when i say it remember i was blade job because i'm edgy remember oh, okay yeah, you had a sharp edge to that's you right. yeah of course that's right yes, so yes. so blade job and crusher but now we have uh all of these names i you know even, <laughs> secretly sassy the captain you even got a bunch of names now but uh, but yeah, so we used to <laughs> even me. I like, I like the phrasing of that one. Even you have. Well, names. I mean, come on, like you you do the yeah. you do the straight man gimmick. Right, exactly. I shouldn't have a nickname. I should be like Rich with you know you know I'm that guy that's got to like reel you in or whatever. I'm the but, uh, I'm the Kushida to your Yoshitatsu, which we'll talk about here in a little. But bit. But I did that once. I did the introduction once and gave my nine thousand handles, and then I said I'm here with Rich, and you got annoyed. <laughs> so I always have to throw in you know either the Captain Creech or the secretly sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, you're the, that's your gimmick. You're, you're the straight man. You're the dry, you're the one who reels me in. You know what I mean? Like you're the guy who brings sanity to the offering. So you really shouldn't have a whole bevy of nicknames and the nicknames you have should be a, a bit subdued. Like the ones you, I'm with you. Yeah. you, you know, the yeah. captain is fine, you know? Steer the ship, yeah. It can't you know, be the captain the of broadcasting of inter- no, you, no, no, that's too much. That's too, that's wild. too much yeah. for you. And you wouldn't even be comfortable with that. Is, is what I'm saying here. I tell you what, I just I just polished off a uh, slice of lemon meringue pie. Um, it, delicious, Rich. Um, I, I well, the thing about it is, I've I have I don't see full disclosure. It's very rude to like chew gum 
or drink liquids or eat when you're when you're broadcasting. And um, but 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 the dirty secret. I've eaten full meals while doing this show. I mean, no one knows. Hopefully, no one can tell, and hopefully, nobody knows. I've never been able to tell, so that that's impressive. Because some people, it's obvious. They like open up a can of soda, you can hear them like chugging in. It's like, all right, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm a master of the mute button. But one time we had a guest on, and I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to embarrass them because it's not really the point of who it was. But we had a guest on, and I just let them ramble on forever because I was eating like a steak dinner, and I and I and it was great because this person was very talkative and they just wouldn't shut the hell up. So it was almost the perfect guest to have to scarf down this meal. I'll tell you like privately who it was because again, I think I know exactly who it is. But the yeah, point but... isn't who it was. Like it's not a knock <laughs> on the person at all. But... I guess the one in an hour and a half we asked like four questions. But that was fine. It was great. You stuff. know what? It's, like... No, you're thinking Matt Cage, right? No, I'm thinking somebody else. No, no, no. I'm thinking Matt of another Cage. one. There was somebody else that it was like immediately when we were done, they were like, "I'm so sorry, I rambled," and we're like, "No, it was great. We didn't." It wasn't that guy either. I it wasn't. Oh, okay, all right. It was. It was someone I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name at the moment, but um, it wasn't him. The River City promoter, right? That's who you're talking. Yeah, yeah, Oliver. Yeah, Brandon Oliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he. We we asked him maybe two questions in an hour, and he was like, "I'm so sorry." We're like, "No, it's good." Like he got promote. He got into a promoter thing real real quick. So it was yeah yeah, but it was someone I'll I'll tell you later. But but yeah, I, I ate like a whole meal. Um, but, uh, what I want, I drink like three gallons of liquid. Can you ever tell that I do that? Sometimes like, I, I can I hear you like... swallowing like a, okay. You yeah, don't yeah. have the mute button. See, here's the funny thing. You've got like the professional equipment. Mm-hmm. I've got like the $10 headset from Best Buy. Okay. I'm on the budget system over here. You mean voice wrestling.com slash Amazon. That's right. That's right. Correct. Yeah. What was I thinking? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> of course that's where I got it. Uh, but you've got like the professional equipment, but oddly enough, your like professional microphone does not have a mute. No, I have to like mute it on Skype, and every time I do that, the thing freezes and explodes. So yeah. So this is why you hear Rich so. coughing and dying on the air, and occasionally gulping down his odd combination. Sometimes Rich will drink beer and hot tea at the same time. <laughs> that was one time, which is completely bizarre. Those things don't go together. I you. you that was not a, not one of my best days. I'll admit that was a bizarre. You you have to admit that that was a gross combination. That was a little weird. Yeah, I have I have I have bourbon and water right now. Is that okay? Bourbon and you're drinking bourbon separately. Separately though, I have a cup of bourbon and then a cup of water. George Thorogood, you're you're drinking bourbon. On the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got a, you, know? you got a scotch and a beer too. Did that go over your head or? Uh, I did. Yeah, I was not born in the fifties, so I uh... listen. You don't have to be born in the fifties to know of a song. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Are you familiar with uh, I don't know Elvis Presley songs? I mean, it doesn't. I've heard of him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean you were like, like, if, <laughs> like if, you're, if you're familiar with the song "Hound Dog" by Elvis Presley, let's say, which everyone knows. Like, it doesn't mean that you were born in 1930. It just means you're familiar with a song. You know, there's the, the, the George Thurgood song, "One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer." You really don't know that song? No, I, I know of it. I'm just so you're just a you're breaking my balls yeah. is what you. Do. I'm just breaking it, but yeah, yeah. And I fell for it because I'm a dope. So that's basically how that goes. You know, Rich. Um, Valentine's Day just passed, and I noticed that uh, you and the nurse enjoyed delicious uh, uh, cumin-crusted pork. From I did, yes. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, was there any chappin' chappin' on Valentine's Day, Rich? Uh, no, we were both sick. So there, was no, there, was a, uh, we, there was some chappin' chappin' a few days prior. Oh, Rich getting I, – see, I thought yeah. you had skillfully dodged this question. No, no, it was, it was – yeah. This is the kind of question I'll answer on air, but I didn't think you'd go there. I, that, we got a little information out of them. All right, so you got the chap and chap. Everybody was tired of it. I just fell asleep at like 7, so that was – Well, you're married now, my man. Yeah, exactly. You know? that so that's what happened. Uh, chap and chap and doesn't uh, occur as, as, as frequently as it once did when you're 
when you see each other every day. But, and it's like, see, ah, it's here's the thing, though. You've been married for like 10 minutes. I understand. Yeah, but we've lived together for four years now. So I don't know. I, I don't think you should be bored uh, with the chap and chapin yet. It's not so. bored. It's just like, eh, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But Listen, all fair, I'll give you some tips. <laughs> I'm up. good. I okay. don't. There are a lot of times where I don't give a shit either. I'm like, ah, I just want to go to bed too. So. All right, all right. I was curious. All right, so it happened a few days before. All right, I'll give you. All right, it's it's fair. Yeah. It's fair. All right, I have no problem with the, uh, with the uh, pre Valentine's Day chap. Yeah, well, with the idea that it was you know sort of related to the the, the holiday as well. So yeah, it worked, it worked I, I've out. worked in the restaurant business for my pretty much my entire working career. So I, a lot, I was always off the hook for Valentine's Day because I I always had to do something work related. It was impossible not to because it's a huge restaurant day. So I always got off the hook, and then you know. I would like take her out like the following Monday afternoon or something when there's like no waits in any of the restaurants and, and there's nothing going on. And uh, it gave me a, it, it bought me a few extra days to get like cheaper gifts because, you know, it's <laughs> price candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So like, even <laughs> everything's cheaper. Like, Here's four boxes of chocolates because they were only a dollar. No rich because I love you so much. That's why you get four boxes. Mm. Come on now. Come on. Get of course. It. But yeah, but even stuff like flowers, these florists are a bunch of criminals. OK, they jack the prices up as it gets closer to Valentine's Day. We don't have Except Bloom that Bloom that does not. Except do did they pay us this week? great. Uh, they did not pay us. Oh, well, then who cares? They're, they're, they're still good people, though. But uh, yeah, yeah. Even Rich is more diplomatic than I am. I'm all about <laughs> show me the money, or I'm not praising you. You know what I mean? If you notice, I left Blue Apron off of that. You did, yeah. I was gonna say that's they're like not my paying, fine deal is from there. They're not paying us this week either, my friend. Okay, but but yeah. So these, I tell you, I did have a clean shave though, and you'll get to that here in a little bit. But uh, that's true. You did. Did you have a clean shave for the? Chap? I had a very clean shave. That's that's probably why the uh, chap and chap and happened. Yeah. She was like, "Oh my god, you finally shaved. Thank you." So. Yeah, but these florists are a bunch of con artists, all right? Because they jack the prices up right before valentine's day i always got off easy because we wouldn't you know i wouldn't do we would do valentine's day a few days later and the prices all of a sudden the roses rich they go from 75 dollars a dozen back down to like 1999 a dozen so well and then you get like this because the stores and i was i was going I, I just randomly went grocery shopping on on valentine's day like on my lunch hour and like these places were exploding and i'm like you are not selling all these flowers like i swear to god i went to a grocery store and like Wall to wall was just like giant bouquets and stuff, and I'm like, all right, like yeah, you're gonna get your guys that are on the you know the way home from work or whatever, or during their lunch hour or whatever. But like, you're not selling 150 of these things. Like this place was packed with them, and I'm like, there's no way you're selling all this. You know, there was chocolates everywhere. I, the, the, half the store was Valentine's Day, and I'm like, you, I guarantee you, if I come here tomorrow, all this stuff's gonna be half priced. Absolutely. I do that with Christmas candy. I I I, I destroy post Christmas candy. Like, I go to the Walgreens or groceries and pick – I mean, that stuff's just uh, – Easter's another great one, too, because everybody – oh, here's 7,000 bags of jelly beans. Yeah, nobody's buying that many jelly beans. And then, like, post-Easter, though, yeah, you walk in there for 25 cents, you get, you know, <laughs> four bags of uh, giant jelly beans. It's fine for me. I don't need them on Easter day. I'll get them tomorrow. It's not a big deal. Do you enjoy the Cadbury cream egg? Uh, not really. No. I, I Now that I'm getting older, though, I'm starting to – I don't really like chocolate, but I'm starting to get a little bit more of the chocolate taste in my, uh, you know, older age as I'm – Quickly approaching thirty uh, in in a few weeks here, but uh, I'm starting to enjoy chalk a little bit more. So I I, I think maybe I'll, I'll give them another try. But I'm pre- I'm basically just like a, a jelly bean guy, I like the uh, the Starburst jelly beans. Um, this is wait, this is bizarre. Yeah. Why would someone turning thirty all of a sudden be turned on to chocolate? 
I don't know. Yeah, I've never been. But I don't know. I, like lately, I've enjoyed. It feel like chocolate's like an old people. Thing, I feel right? like it's like a menopause. Are you going through menopause, Rich? I, it's and... possible. Yeah, you know, I have been. I've, been, I've, I've, I've heard of women. I'm not even going to answer. You know, that, so going through... I'm not even going to say that. Somebody will get upset by whatever I I follow that with. I was going to. Yeah, I've heard of stuff. women going through menopause. You know, taking a liking to certain foods, including chocolate or whatnot. But yeah. a, a man approaching thirty. I'm possibly pregnant too. That that you know, I mean, are chap, you? Chap I mean, a few days ago. I don't know. Yeah, that's... it's it's you know who knows. I'm not sure how it works. So that it's very possible. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. Yeah. These self burials, Rich. I'll tell you, you're very self deprecating. But I think we both are, which is why people uh, enjoy the banter. Um, Rich, do you like a close shave? Love a close shave. It's no secret we love Dollar Shave Club razors. I always get a close, smooth shave. I don't know about you. And you can't beat the convenience or the price. I used to choose between settling for a cheap bag of disposables or paying out the nose for a razor with a laser pointer and 17 blades. Awful gimmicks, Rich. Those are just gimmick razors. I hate them. Hate them. Then, yeah, you can't. You can't go with the gimmick razor. They overcharge you for them like those uh, – Like the flowers, florists, yeah. These criminal florists that jack it up. Dollar Shave Club broke onto the scene with a smarter choice. Before Dollar Shave Club, there was no middle ground. It was either save money and get a painful shave where you're peeling layers of skin off your face, or the, or the disposable ones like they give away at the gym. You know what I mean. They're terrible. They feel like shaving with glass. No more, Rich. Dollar Shave Club is the best of both worlds. You get a premium shave quality at the disposable shave price. If you haven't tried Dollar Shave Club yet, you're missing out. It's an amazing shave at an affordable price. There's no smarter choice on the market. And right now, they're giving away a one-month trial of any of their razors for $1 with free shipping. That's it. $1. Rich, you have a dollar in your pocket. I have a dollar in my pocket. I have five of those dollars in my pocket right now. Can you imagine? That's Order five of them. I'm going to right now. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. There's no long-term commitment. There's no hidden fees. You cancel whenever you want. One dollar trial, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. And they won't come to your house and steal your old razors either. So that, that's always good, too. If you cancel, you can keep your razors. They don't care. Yeah, they don't want the razors back. No, they don't want those back. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Okay, so now that we've wasted, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a half hour of everybody's time here. Uh, we, well, I was going to tell a DVR story, and then you cut me off and said, "No, let's talk about no, it on no, the air." We got to segue to that. We got to, but then you went a completely different direction later. So, yeah, let's we'll go get on. to the DVR story because I've I didn't want you to blow that one pre-show banter because okay, people all right, need all right. to hear because I have a lot of questions. Uh, but we got a lot of big topics to get to. We had elimination chamber. We had new beginning in Osaka. We've got some other news breaking, Rich. But I thought, you know, a lot of people complain that we don't talk about enough indie wrestling on the Voices of Wrestling podcast. You know what? They might have a point. We don't talk about a lot of it. No, they're right. They're right. Uh, so we're going to open up the show. Our opening topic this week is not Elimination Chamber. It is not uh, New Beginning in Osaka. Sellout show with three incredible matches. We're going to open the show this week, Rich, with PWE March Slamness. Are you ready to talk some? Oh, I am ready. Yes, I've been pre- prepping uh, this entire day to get ready to talk about this show. So, yeah, I cannot wait. You have no idea what I'm talking about, and you're – uh, I have a little bit of an You're idea. You're very nervous because you have you don't know where this <laughs> no, is going. I'm feverishly typing. What was the name of the it was PWE what? March Slamness, which I also have on, a uh, dog that is climbing. Why would you decide right now? Well, listen, you know I wish my dogs ran away like yours did. I'm gonna tell what you why, because your dog can't wait you to hear about March Slam. I can't just jumped on my lap and now he's licking my face. Please stop. Okay, there we go. March Slamness. The reason I PWE the reason I, March Slamness. The reason I bring it. up this show, Rich. 
Nice. Oh, no card on, on uh, Kate I'll, go, I, I'll keep looking. Don't you worry, my friend. I have... <laughs> you got it here. Okay. The reason I bring this up is uh, right before we started the show, I discovered that, yes, in the year of our Lord 2017, if you happen to believe in, uh, in the Lord, there is a Alex Payne-Ernie Osiris match happening <laughs> for real in 2017. And for OG Ring of Honor fans like ourselves... Rich, I know you're popping big for that. People were popping big on the Twitter feed, so I did a little digging. It's happening for this PWE promotion in Donellan, New Jersey, because, of course, why wouldn't Sugarfoot Alex Payne and Ernie Osiris <laughs> be facing each other in a pro wrestling match anywhere but the – Andy Wright Lake Ridge, also in the opener against uh, Mitch Franklin, I believe, as well, right? Uh, no. Damn it. All right. No, unfortunately, no. Is he is Andy Rightleg Ridge legitimately uh, GPA? <laughs> no, no, not at, no, not at because all. Because he tweeted that to us. And I wasn't sure if he was joking or not. <laughs> he is not, no. Okay, so we still don't know the whereabouts of Andy Rightleg Ridge. These are, these are just tremendous prelim, not even prelim, these are like sub-prelim level names from like the glory days of Ring of Honor. Yeah, like like Andy Rightleg Ridge would walk, you would walk into the arena after you got your tickets or whatever, and he'd be in the ring already doing stuff, and you'd be like, oh, cool. And then like, he's out, and then he ran the lights the rest of the shows in, in Chicago. So it was always great to see like after the match, he was still like sweating, and he's like, you know, you, you could tell he put like a shirt on or something like that, and then he had to climb up a ladder and go and do, run the spotlight the rest of the night, and he's like sweating, and he's got his. I was like, oh man, like what a tough day for Andy Wright, like Ridge, and then like a brawl would you know break out, and he'd have to like climb down the ladder and jump in and be like that guy too. It's incredible. Yeah. I love Al- Alex, I, I love those Alex really Payne was a light guy, was a lighting guy too. If I recall, so uh, look. he grew up. He grew up pretty. Uh, I mean, he right, uh, not right, like, but um, Sugarfoot, Alex Page. Yeah, Sugarfoot ended up having like a, a pretty decent little run too, like a little micro run thing where you know he's in uh, the stable with, with Larry Sweeney or whatever. And actually, there was one time in Chicago where I know he he worked like a decent match and people got behind him, and it was all it's it pretty fun to kind of see their their growth. You know, every time you went to a show, so. Alex Payne was a decent little worker. Rich, he went to Noah. Do you remember his Noah tour? I, I don't remember it, but I knew it. I knew it happened. I can't. I, I honestly cannot it, say. It was probably two thousand nine ish or something like that. And I mean, and he just got murdered by like Kenta and Takayama. Like he faced everyone, and they just destroyed him on a night in night out basis. Uh, Nakajima, I think he faced. He faced everybody in these singles matches and just got murdered. Um, I, but yeah, he definitely did at least one Noah tour at some point, uh, Sugarfoot. So, but Sugarfoot's back, my friend, and he's facing Ernie Osiris. Do you remember Ernie <laughs> Osiris's homeless gimmick? Yes, it was great. And he would wander. I don't know if he did this in Chicago, but he would wander around the venue with like a little can and ask you for corn. Yes, yeah, yeah. He yeah. went all in with the with the homeless gimmick. <laughs> like he would sit in the corner, like with a brown bag of a undetermined liquid inside. He'd have the little shaker can asking for coins. So yeah, Alex Payne versus Ernie Osiris. But I also wanted to point out this PWE group, which runs Danella, New Jersey. Rich, our New Jersey listeners will be familiar. Danella, New Jersey. Let me tell you a little something about Danella, New Jersey. Danella, New Jersey is famous for an establishment that no longer exists that was called Frank's Chicken House. Okay? Frank's Chicken House, Rich, uh, you're probably thinking, hmm, did they have good fried chicken? Is that what you're thinking, Rich? <laughs> I'm guessing no. I'm guessing they did not at all. Fra- or they did not have chicken at all. Frank's Chicken House was a strip club, my friend. I was going to say. Did, and was there a buffet with chicken, though? In fact, there. see, I'm glad you asked that question. Okay. The old strip club buffet There is gimmick, a food tie-in with Frank's Chicken House. Now, while they did not serve chicken... Oh. They were famous for having a breakfast special called, and get it was called Legs and Eggs. 
And it was a, so you come in, you get a nice scrambled egg breakfast, and you get some legs. It was legs and eggs. The problem with the Frank's Chicken House legs and eggs, and everyone from New Jersey who is laughing right now, listen. <laughs> the problem with it is it was <laughs> a breakfast deal at a strip club. That's the problem with it. And, is there anything else yeah, that was a problem with yeah, it? Yeah, right. Well, you're missing the obvious, too. Oh, okay. If it's a breakfast special and you're – first of all, who's – what kind of DJ is going to a strip club at 8.30 in the morning? That's number one. But number two, you're getting the daytime strippers. You're not only getting daytime strippers, you're getting morning, morning strippers. strippers. Like Saturday or Sunday morning strippers, yeah. You're getting below the daytime stripper. You're not even getting the 3 o'clock in the afternoon stripper, okay? She's getting a little older. She doesn't quite make the same amount of money she used to. But, they, you know, they like her. She's, you know, Valerie is a nice gal. So they still book her, but they book her in the afternoon. She's a daytime stripper. You're getting morning strippers, Rich. I mean, I, I could listen, I, I never partook in the legs and eggs deal. You know I'm not a strip club guy. But that's what Danella in New Jersey is famous for, Frank's Chicken House and the Legs and Eggs Special. Unfortunately, Frank's Chicken House, uh, the venue no longer exists. So uh, maybe that's the venue they're running for this uh, this uh, PWE show. Uh, let's see. It says I'm, I'm on their um, – no, it doesn't got say the address. Of course, of course it would. No, of course it wouldn't have the address. I, I wouldn't on their, know if it's website, the same so. address anyway, but uh, either way. But look at this show, though. The main event is del- – it's pretty good. Like you, you were laughing about it, and I, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, you know, if I was like an hour away, I'd, I'd probably go to the show. Like, it's really not that bad. It's their fourth show. They run every three months. Uh, it's Delirious versus Dustin on top. All caps, Dustin. All caps, Dustin. We've got Donovan Dijak versus Ophidian. That, that you know, that's not bad. I'm kind of looking forward to that. We've got uh, they're running their their uh, championship tournament here. We've got Cheeseburger versus Juan Francisco <laughs> Di Coronado, one of my favorites. And I'm not being That's ironic. good. These are all, all three of these matches are awesome. I don't know what the problem is. I enjoy is. that man. You know that. You know I'm not being ironic. He's no, no, no. I like him too, and I like I, I, you know cheeseburgers fine with me as well. Yeah. We've got Rhett Titus and Will Ferrara versus Club well. Taboo. Well, <laughs> Club Taboo, my friend. That's the big deal. Craig Steele's tag team. So uh, you know, he, 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 this is New Jersey representing here. Another tournament match. We got Matt McIntosh versus a man that some consider a top five worker in the world, Joe Gacy. Now. The people who consider him a top five worker in the world also lie about watching Dragon Gate matches and think Tanahashi <laughs> does moonsaults. But listen, you know. But they've seen a lot of speed muscle matches, so that's all that matters. It's, so. Sometimes it's. Uh, they've seen at least 500 speed muscle matches. Sometimes you know. it's painful to be exposed. Man, we're going real inside baseball here. This is bad, yeah. Like four oh. people got that joke. So that's, we got uh, another tournament match is uh, Sugarfoot Alex Payne versus Ernie Osiris. Oh, they're in the tur- championship They are in the tournament. championship tournament. Uh, oh, they got to go all the way with like an, an Ernie Osiris miracle run, right? I Listen, he might. And uh, then we got a women's match. We got Helen Valley versus uh, Vanity. Vanity, of course. Of course, Rich, as you know. Uh, of course. Yeah. Is the valet of uh, Club Taboo. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah. No, Helen Valley, she did. Well, I should, probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, I want you to. She's dating a man on the show, I think, but um, I don't know if that's public knowledge. We should probably cut that one close. Yeah, I don't put that out there. But um, I don't even. I just realized this. So one of Alex Payne or Ernie Osiris will be in a four corner title match. Yeah, that's right. That's what they're saying. Well, they push these. It's not like I don't know if you've looked at prior results of these. Uh, believe it or not, I have not. So yeah, it's it's and there's other. Listen, there's other of these Ring of Honor prelim names. Where Bobby Dempsey, he's yeah, show. But he works in his promotion, and he does a pro-Trump gimmick. So picture Bobby Dempsey doing a pro-Trump gimmick. It's, that, it's not too hard to picture. So I, that's I got your, it. <laughs> uh, really, I would have never pegged him for a pro-Trump. Well, who would you really peg for a pro-Trump gimmick? Maybe, I don't know. I can't even think of anybody. But, uh, yeah, he's in a group that is a uh, pro-Trump group. But I don't think they're working this show. So PWE, if you're anywhere near Frank's Chicken House in Donella, New Jersey, 
<laughs> you might want to check out March Slamness on Friday, uh, March 20th. You're forgetting. There's there's another match on, on this one that I have. Well, Two other you matches. Got more matches. I got more matches here on eventhit.com where they uh, they have it. It's Billy Avery with, of course, Smash Bradley versus Officer Warren Barksdale. <laughs> and then a rookie battle royal. The best part about this this uh, the, the show that I'm looking at or the the, uh, the lineup that I'm looking at is there's exclamation points after every single match. Yeah. So it's Rookie Battle Royal right. in all caps. Then Billy Avery versus with Smash Riley versus Off of the Warrior Parkdale. Well, Rich, there's no question. Argus versus Bobby Dempsey. <laughs> these, are, <laughs> these are exciting matches. Of course they're Alex Payne versus Ernie Osiris. Why wouldn't there be? I mean, I know I'm excited. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, ooh, hold on. Hold on. It says secret tournament match. Maybe it's one of these matches. Maybe it's a new match. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Well, uh, there will also be a 50-50 raffle, food, drinks, and doors open at 630. There will also be fun. It's oh, well, uh, listen. So just just in case you're aware, look, it will be fun. Lineup, so not be fun looking at yeah, those lineups. So that, I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's obvious. We'll have to tell them. We'll have to tweet at them that we started our show talking. I about would them, legit so. go to this show, by the way. I'm saying, dude, if I okay, well, <laughs> they list a Twitter account, and that one does not work. So that's uh, that's that's strike one. <laughs> that's strike one. Oh no, 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 sorry, that's their Instagram account. I apologize. My fault. Pro wrestling explosion. I uh, I apologize. Um, there we go. Okay, cool. We got it. I like how there's a mix of old school Ring of Honor prelim dudes and new school Ring of Honor prelim dudes with Cheeseburger making an appearance here. Yeah, that's good. That's oh, that see, that's the feud that you can build up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Ernie Osiris versus Cheeseburger, or whatever. Like, well, I was there before you. Rhett Titus, I mean, perfect example of another guy. I mean, you got Rhett Titus on there too. I mean, that's I, I these cards are great. I love these cards. Yeah, Rhett Titus. Chris Hero worked one of their shows. Did he really? You know, Smash Bradley is a Ring of Honor jobber, too. Do you remember him from, like, 2006? Hmm. I don't remember Smash Bradley. Yeah. I mean, he might have stayed. Did he stay East Coast, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think he's a very, very part-time. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't remember Smash Bradley at all, at all unfortunately. Yeah, Chris Hero, uh, he worked Jake something on one of their shows. So they, <laughs> they bring people in, man, I'll tell you. You know who else works these shows? Queefka the Quiet works these shows. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think his name's Queefka, is it? I don't think it's Queefka. Isn't or whatever. Isn't the Queef? Isn't that the noise a vagina makes when you're laying the pipe? It, it is. Yeah. No, that that's uh, well. Next topic, please. Well, it, it, that's what a Queef is, correct? Uh, that's what I've I always called. A well, no, I think there's another connotation for what a what, what a Queef would be. I thought it was when you know. You're getting... I think it's reg- it, it, it's air escaping. Yeah, well, that's what I just said. In one way or another. Well, it, it could, but well, it can happen when you're not. Oh, so you're saying it happens outside of the bedroom? You know, of course, yeah. You're just like yeah. walking around. Yeah, right. I don't think I've ever heard one in that context. Well, maybe you haven't heard long enough, or maybe they just lied about where it came from. That's so. true. Maybe you have heard it, but they would a woman lie, cover so. that up by claiming it's a fart, which is more embarrassing. Um, probably the probably the, the latter. If so. you're comfortable with a woman, they don't care. Either way. The former, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think everybody cares about the uh, the other one. But I don't know. Maybe I'm like if you're on a first date and a noise emanates from that area. <laughs> no, no. Sorry. I think I think you're not going to go on a second date. No, no. I, of course I would. I would not go on a second. No, I'm not saying you. I'm saying they'll. Oh, they, they might would be, be so ashamed. Yeah. yeah, especially being in, in your well, I'm company. Saying, which I mean. one would that? Which end of the spectrum would you think they'd blame it on? If uh, it was inescapable to blame it on, eight, like it's a quiet dinner, candlelight. It's it's that's a hell of a first date, Joe. Jeez. Listen, Joe Lanza was reeling in a little bit, <laughs> reeling in a little bit on that first date. <laughs> Let's just say they can't. There's no way to talk to. They can't blame a dog. You can't blame like, right, right, right. House settling noises. It. They, <laughs> they have to pick one or the other. Which one do you think? 
Uh, I think they would choose the 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 uh, the fart, the, the I, classic fart. I, think I believe the classic would be, fart yeah. would be the choice. Right? This is the worst show we've ever done. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm deleting all of this, and we're just going to start anew with elimination. Okay, chamber. why don't it's we just get into elimination chambers? <laughs> this is the other 30 minutes of the show, whatever the hell it's been so far, is deleted and will never be heard by Rich anybody. Rich is clearly so. uncomfortable, so we've got no. I don't. No, I like we've it. We've got I, we've I, got but... Captain Crate. We, look, we just talked about how dry <laughs> you're. The straight man, you're the dry. Rich is uncomfortable. We got to move on to the elimination chambers. Well, for every one person that enjoys like the weird, there's also people that are like just talk about wrestling or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so you got to kind of play. Listen, to both. It's a people, podcast. So. Oh, I, I hey. a fast forward button. Okay, um, th- they'll be all right, Rich. They'll survive. Um, let's see. So, elimination chamber. Um, we talked last week about how these WWE pay per views always exceed our expectations. They've been very good. But this lineup looked like it was going to struggle to follow that, uh, you know, sort of pattern. Um, I thought this show was a mixed bag. I thought if you take away the main event, it wasn't much of a show at all. I think there was a bunch of stuff that was okay. There was some stuff that was dreadful. And I thought the main event was awesome. What did you think overall about Elimination Chain? Uh, I'm about the same way that you were. I, I was very disappointed by a few of the matches on the card. And we'll, we'll get to those when we, we kind of talk about them. But yeah, overall, you took out that main event, which I thought was spectacular too. And we'll, we'll get to, you know, of course, that um, in a second here. But the rest of the show, I, I it was... It, a mixed bag, I don't know if I would even say. I would just say outwardly bad. I mean, of the stuff that was good, like, even that wasn't great, and it was just kind of, like, okay. And the stuff that was bad was, like, next-level bad or just really poorly booked or the stories didn't make any sense or the characters didn't make any sense. So I really did not like the undercard at all, and it was saved, I thought, a lot of ways by that Elimination Chamber, which was amazing and, and basically let everybody – I mean, I, I came away completely forgetting about the bad undercard and going, oh, my God, that was awesome, that match or whatever – but you know, now after a few days going back and looking at the card and, and kind of reliving my memories of it, I, I wasn't a fan overall of, of the entire show. I thought it was uh, a, a thumbs down for the first time in, in quite a while for a WWE pay-per-view. Sometimes when a promotion is starting to go downhill after being really good for a while, it takes people a little while to catch up. I think SmackDown's been bad. Now, I understand SmackDown's not a promotion, but that's just the analogy I wanted to, to tie into this. I think SmackDown's been bad for about a month now. Um, maybe, you know, give or take a week. And this pay-per-view was sort of an extension of that. I think SmackDown was an excellent show basically since the brand split up until about a month ago. But now what we're seeing on SmackDown are repetitive storylines, title changes that don't make any sense and seem to be done just for the sake of it. For example, American Alpha, why did they win the tag team titles to begin with? They never built them up as a team. There was no build-up to them winning the titles. They just sort of randomly won them one week. And now, as a result, they're not over. Now, why do you think that tag team isn't over? They, 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 they weren't properly built. They were just anointed the titles, and, uh, and it's just not working. And that was probably – well, it was, I don't think it was the worst match on the show. I think the uh, – <laughs> No, I have, I have won the definitely yeah. took the cake on that one. But it, was, but, uh, it wasn't a good match. It was bad. No, and, and it was so long. And too. it ate 20 looking, minutes of the show. I'm like, oh, my God. God, let's go, let's go. And it's just, again, uh, you know, speaking of American Alpha, they're just lifeless. And it's, if there was somebody, and I have a buddy, you know, my my casual fan friend, Dan, that I always talk about, he, you know, I I spoke these, I I talked these guys up for so long and so long and so long. And and I get texts every week. He's like, I don't get it with these guys. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm like, "I, I, I know, but I promise, like, they were good and they were entertaining and they did have character and it it did make sense, but 
the SmackDown run has been terrible, and and it, it's just yet another uh, unfortunate example of an NXT act that just once they get to the main roster, they just don't know how to really make the most of those guys, and, and it, it's 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 kind of sad in a lot of ways because those guys are super talented and could be an all time great tag team, but I, it, right Look, now it's it's not looking they're great. They're doing so. the same things. I don't place this on them at all. This is a booking issue. They weren't built up to win those. T- they should have never became champions to begin with. And we've seen a lot of title changes like that on SmackDown that make no sense. I, I'll even go bigger picture here. What was the point of John Cena winning the title from AJ Styles if he was going to lose it three weeks later or whatever to, to Bray Wyatt? Yeah. Like, why not just go directly from Styles to Wyatt in that scenario, especially since AJ Styles was the last guy that Bray... I was going to say, yeah, and, and then it was even more poignant when Bray beat Styles at the end. And I was like, oh, okay, like, there you go. That That's... No, I, I, I get that. I it's like, I get that that Cena had lost twice to Styles and he's got to win that third match. I totally understand that and I agree with it. But instead of this, which just shoehorning in this meaningless Johnson. And by the way, that was his record tying title. I was going to say, it's not meaningless. That, that's the other part is, but what was well, funny though, and, and everybody was in the current story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was weird though, is everybody was kind of wondering why they weren't making a bigger deal out of it. And it's probably because they knew it was just going to be this little quick thing. Cause if you make a big old ordeal about it and you're, Oh my God, he broke the record. And then, you know, three weeks later he loses it or two weeks later or whatever the hell, then like that kind of looks shitty too. But like, it looks shitty anyway, because it's like, well, geez, that was, well, was kind of well, quick. It like, me, okay. It makes me think why burn number 16, on a meaningless title run like this one, yeah, unless they know. well, unless they have something big planned for seventeen, and they had to burn the last one off to get to. You see what I'm saying? If seventeen's around the corner with something bigger, which it probably will be, they needed to get sixteen done and get it done quickly. So maybe their thinking process was: all right, we know we're going to go into WrestleMania with Bray Wyatt as the champion. We know we have this whatever this plan is for John Cena's seventeenth win. We got to find a way to get John Cena's 16th out of the way. We can do him as a quick little transitional thing in between Styles and Bray, and we can do it at the Royal Rumble. And maybe that was their thought process. I still think the, all of these constant title changes that feel like they don't mean anything. And I'm going to throw uh, Naomi in there too. Again, I don't think Bliss should have won the title to begin with. Okay, so I'm going to throw both of those in there. I, I would have had Becky hold that title for at least a year and establish it. Okay, I would have had her establish that title, and when you, if you would have done that, the person who eventually beats her gets an enormous rub for beating the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion and ending the super long run. Now we're doing this hot potato thing that everybody complains about on Raw, which we're going to talk about later. Which I don't necessarily, which ironically I don't think is bad for that brand, but I think it's bad because those are more established players. This brand, I think it's bad. Because I don't think Alexa Bliss was ready, number one. I think she's got a lot of flaws. She's great with the character work. She's a very poor wrestler. Uh, and, and Naomi, again, just like American Alpha, they didn't heat her up, Rich. They did not heat this wrestler up to win this title. She basically got, what was it, a week or two of a push? Yeah, maybe maybe two weeks or whatever. But it seemed rather quick. And everybody, I mean, I don't think, I mean, there wasn't many people that predicted that she was going to win because there was nothing that really indicated. It, it felt like they were just kind of heating her up for a little bit to have her lose or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, you won. All right, okay, <laughs> like then there we go. So, all right. But uh, yeah, it wasn't built up like in a way. And it's it's such a powerful tool. And that's why we, we a lot of times on the podcast, and people get mad at us too because modern fans, and I, and I think this is kind of where you're going in some way because you have some fans that are newer to to – um, to wrestling that 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 don't really think of titles as the same way that that people that have been you know wrestling fans for years think of or whatever, but it's such an important tool that that title and yes it it, it doesn't 
it doesn't mean a whole lot. And we had this discussion a few months ago as well. Like the meaning of a title in of itself is just, yeah, it's, it's a prop or whatever. But that prop can be so important if used properly. And SmackDown is showing you how to not use it properly. And it's just bouncing around all the time or whatever. And, and these really quick hot potato title changes just benefit nobody because it, it, it more than anything, it makes the moments that that champion wins and, and, and the, the idea that that person is the champion, it makes it utterly meaningless. And that is the easiest thing to do. The easiest story to tell is the championship, is is one person has the title and someone wants it. And, and, and making somebody want it for a little bit longer than two weeks is way better of a story than somebody saying, yeah, I'll, I'll take this. Oh, okay, I won the title. Cool. And then, okay, I lost the title. All right, whatever. Like, and that, and that, unfortunately, that's what we're kind of getting with, with, with SmackDown these days when it looked like they were on a completely different trajectory for so long when the, when the brand split started. It was like, all right, cool. Raw is going to be Raw, but SmackDown felt different. And, and increasingly, especially with the titles, SmackDown's not really feeling different. It's starting to feel like Raw again. And I think all of these meaningless title changes or these rush title changes, whatever you want to call them, ineffective title changes are adding to that. If you look back, AJ Styles uh, was the champion. He, he had a great run. And Becky was the champion right out of the gate. She was the best wrestler on the brand. She was a great person to, to put that title on, uh, to, to establish that. And even Heat Slater and Rhino – they heated those guys up, Rich. They gave them a storyline. They built them up. And yeah, they were a comedy team. But when they went through that tournament and won the titles, it's like at least they got behind them long term to give them those titles. So at least that made sense too. And, and now just these quickie t- – there's way too much James Ellsworth on this show. These James Ellsworth Carmella sketches, who, oh who finds this entertaining? <laughs> I, I, honest to God, who finds this is, – is this a bubble thing? Do kids enjoy this? Do ca- I don't think anyone. Well, the nurse, the nurse asked me what the hell was that, and I said I I can't even begin to explain it to you. So and they eat up two segments. It's a two-hour <laughs> show, and they eat up two segments on every yeah. show. They ate up segments on the paper. And three segments on the pay-per-view, and they were all terrible. I mean, it's it's just not entertaining in the least. Um, you know, Carmella is still not over, and has never been over. Uh, and, and, and that's the other thing too on Smack, you know, SmackDown. There's so many acts that just are not over from Apollo Crews to American Alpha to Carmella. These people come out and they get nothing. They get nothing. And listen, I was a big proponent of SmackDown for a long time. Rich, picture this brand without, without AJ Styles. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, okay, Randy Orton has had a little bit of juice. I personally think it's a little overrated. Everyone going crazy about how over Randy. I think it's a little overrated. I don't think he's nearly as over as people think he is. To me, he's slightly more over than he's been uh, for the rest of his career. Maybe. I, I think that's way overdone. Uh, and then, you know, of course, there's John Cena, but he's in and out. He's not even there. I mean, he'll disappear for weeks at a time. Uh, oh, and, and much more coming up in the spring and the summer, if you, if you read The Observer and, and read some other notes here. I mean, he's not going to be around a lot. Yeah, like, and, and you've, you've got the Miz stuff, which was hot for a while. But you take away AJ Styles from this brand and from the pay-per-views, I mean, it, it's not pretty. I just think it's been a poor show, as good as it was for as long as it was. And it was great TV, and they were putting up – and they were having great pay-per-views. It's now been just as shitty for the last month or so. And the timing I don't think is coincidental. It's right around the time where they, you know, they, were, they were rumored to have made the, the, the writing changes. Uh, so you know, maybe that has a lot to do with it. Maybe it's just coincidental. Uh, I have no idea. Um, but but the SmackDown brand, I don't know. I feel like it's in trouble. And this was the first WWE pay-per-view in a while that I felt uh, wasn't a killer pay-per-view and one that was really saved by one match. Do you want to go through match by match here? 
Uh, yeah, let's do that. I think we should mention the uh, the pre-show match. Did you watch Mojo <laughs> Raleigh versus Kurt Hawkins? Uh, unbelie- I did not watch the Zack Ryder Rich Bowl, continues so. his streak of never watching a pre-show match. I will tell you. I- they get three hours of my goddamn time. They're not getting three and a half. Listen, like, my man, on. I'm not ripping you. You do you. What I'm saying here, the reason I wanted to bring this match up, because I did watch it, is this was the most impressive Mojo Raleigh performance I've ever seen. Now, is that on a scale or now what scale is now that? look this is like the lowest bar to clear possible i mean you could literally just step over the bar that we're talking about here <laughs> trip over but it. he did look listen i enjoyed him here um look he the thing with mojo raleigh he's a big dude he clearly has some potential he's a former nfl player so he's a good athlete it's just to me his gimmicks have been cringy this over energetic deal to me it just doesn't work what it has helped him with, though, is I think that the, if there's one thing he's great at, it's showing fire. In fact, I think he almost shows too much fire, which is why he's fucking annoying. Um, but but I thought in this match, all of that stuff was harnessed nicely. And I thought Kurt Hawkins did a nice job, too, in this match. A very subtle job of reining in Mojo Rawley and pacing the match out. Um, and, and look, I don't think Kurt Hawkins is any kind of super worker. Stick aside. Look, I like the gimmick. But clearly, I don't think he, look. He managed to have a bad AJ Styles match, okay, which is almost impossible to do. I don't think Kurt Hawkins is any kind of special worker, but I think here in this spot of a veteran who's leading a younger guy through a match, I think he did a pretty decent job. Rich, if you've got eight minutes to spare, I'm not yeah, I'm not okay. being gimmicky here. I think this is a match worth watching, so you can see sort of the progression of Raleigh and how Hawkins sort of helped him with this match. I I, I, I could see that being because because and we always talk about Kurt Hawkins being one of these guys, and and in a lot of ways, Arya Davari is some of these guys we talk about these baseline guys and that's why WWE likes these guys and especially this is a great role to have one of these guys in is this guy you know Kurt Hawkins is never going to have a, a, a spectacular match You're never going to go oh my god you got to watch that Kurt Hawkins match or oh my god I can't believe he had such a great performance I mean he's it, there's a baseline that you get with Kurt Hawkins but that baseline is for for WWE and at least in in the situation of like a guy like a Mojo Rally is perfect for him because it basically kind of calms him down a little bit and it kind of runs runs him through the motions kind of gets him a little bit more in line with, with, with you know that WWE style and the way to kind of work or whatever and work a little bit of a slower pace or whatever so I'm fine with that yeah if Mojo Raleigh and Kurt Hawkins face each other every night for the next you know year uh, I think Mojo Raleigh will come out better for it you, you know what I mean like I actually think that Kurt Hawkins is, is great for that type of role and there's there's plenty of guys in this roster that I think are good for that role they're just not good you know on bigger type you know bigger angles and that sort of stuff but I, I think Kurt Hawkins is already slowly you know, to that level again, where he he's back, just kind of being this guy again. But 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 that's fine. It's not a a, a real big deal for me, honestly. I'm fine with it. Raleigh's a guy who I think has been reckless in some matches. I think he doesn't he 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 doesn't know how to harness his gimmick and 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 work to the gimmick properly. I think the gimmicks have been poor. And he's also a guy who, for a guy his size, I've also been critical because he works light as a feather sometimes. I know that's kind of contradictory to saying that he's reckless, but I've also seen him in spots where he's not proper. Basically, he's a guy who he's like a big puppy who doesn't know how he doesn't know how to work to his size yet. You know what I mean? It's either he's too light or he's too stiff. And, uh, you know, look, it's, it takes time. You know, it takes time. The problem with guys like Mojo Rawley and, and uh, Baron Corbin are they're already into their 30s. How much better are they going to get? You know what I mean? It's like even though these guys are new to wrestling, they're not 24 years old. 
they're already like 32, 33 years old. So they don't have a ton of time to like become – look, I don't think these guys are going to become super workers. Uh, but the WWE doesn't need that. They need them to become stars, you know, and that's, that, that's kind of the difference there. Becky Lynch, Mickey James. I thought this was a super well-worked match. I really did. I thought um, uh, both of the – Huh, yeah, I, I did not like it at all, but go on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the critique is coming. But, I mean, I thought that it was well-worked. I thought they were telling a great story. I thought Becky Lynch was great here selling. I thought Mickey James was great picking apart the body part. What I hated, hated, hated about this match was the finish. I thought Becky Lynch came off looking like an absolute geek. She gets dominated the entire match. And while the announcers are hammering home that Mickey James hasn't wrestled in seven years. Yes, that, that is the part that absolutely destroyed this match for me, regardless of how they worked, is the idea that this person who, well, where has Mickey James been for the last seven years? She's been on the couch. She's doing nothing as she's decimating Becky Lynch, as she's destroying Becky your Lynch. You have to go on and on and on. And your ace, right. your, 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 like, your ace, <laughs> ace of, of your division. division. Right. Like, well, Mickey James has been on the couch doing nothing for seven years. I can't believe. You know, she's got the ring rust or whatever. As she's seven minutes into just completely destroying Becky Lynch. I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, and thankfully, somebody clued in JBL that, hey, maybe this isn't the best way to sort of put over Becky Lynch. And all of a sudden, he went, well, you know, she's been in many places or whatever. And it's like, she was just in NXT like three months ago, guys. Like, what are we doing? They're just That was like reckless announcing that actually killed a match, like absolutely destroyed that match. For Do me. you think that's a case of really going overboard to intentionally not acknowledge TNA to your detriment? Or do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's something as simple. That, and they've done it before where they said, you know, on the independents or in other companies or whatever, you don't have to say in TNA Impact Wrestling on, you know, Pop TV every Thursday. You don't have to say that. But is it, would it kill you to say, yeah, well, Mickey. And, and, and to be fair, he did sort of say, oh, yeah, well, she's, she was working in other places or whatever. But that's only after, you know, five minutes of saying, well, she's been on the shelf for seven years or whatever. Say she was working elsewhere. She was, you know, wrestling in other companies. Or, who cares? Like this idea that nobody exists. Outside of your little bubble of a universe, or is the stupidest only thing only when it's TNA, and, and it's like right. they acknowledge other places now. That's the thing. I mean, how many times have we heard New Japan brought up in reference to the club? Let's say how many times I just watched NXT and they talked about you know Trent Seven and 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 um. They've gotten better about it for sure. Yeah, being, but yeah, ta- being the, progress tag team champions. They, but like, do you have to care about TNA anymore? I mean, to be honest, and, and you know, we're the podcast to tell you that you, you might be more worried about New Japan than I'd be about TNA. You know, to, of being like direct competition to you. Like TNA is is who cares at this point? Say TNA. No one. They're not going to do anything. No one's going to switch over and go. Oh my god, this TNA thing is great. Like, where have I been? Where's this been my entire life? Everybody knows. It's it's, it's just it made everybody sound silly. And 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 the old adage too. And and people bring this up all the time with announcers is the announcer should be the smartest guy in the room. You know what I yes. mean? That guy should be the one that that leads you, the viewer. To feel like that guy, when what he's saying is true, what he's saying is right, and and he's knowledgeable and he knows everything. But there's, I mean, seventy five percent of the well, people probably watching this match are looking at him, going, "What are you talking about?" And not like, only that, it was backwards. If anything, the heel should have been pounding home that Mickey James has been on her couch for seven years, and the babyface announcer should have been correcting him. Right, and, and so I mean, they even had that that psychology part of it backwards. But well, look, I thought the work was. Good. We'll talk. There was a lot of psychology issues in this entire. There was. Show. We'll oh, for sure. The next match. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, go on. But yeah, I mean, I really thought the work was super sound in this match, and I hated that Becky Lynch got the old banana peel win. Yeah, well, and that's that was my issue too. Is like I think overall, like in a vacuum, I thought the work was good. Like if I I had no idea who Mickey James was and I had no idea who Becky Lynch was and I just watched this match, I would love it. But knowing that Becky Lynch is kind of your you know 
pun intended, you're, you know, the linchpin of that entire division or whatever. And Mickey James is the, the, the older veteran kind of coming back or whatever. Other story of the match of Mickey being that much better than Becky would have been okay had Becky then had a nice comeback and actually proven, yes, I am better than you. You know, you had me for 10 minutes, but the last minute I proved that I'm still better than you and I'm, I'm you know, in, in the prime of my career and you're not. But instead, Becky got, like, lucky and, and walked out of there with, like, a very lucky win. And it's just like, well, that's not at all how it – especially a Becky Lynch. I mean, that, that's the easiest babyface character in the world to book. And, and you booked the, the complete opposite of the way a babyface should be. It was, it, was, it, it was so backwards, I thought. So I, I did not like that at all. Speaking of backwards, the heel, Dolph Ziggler. No, 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 no. I think you got it all wrong. Dolph Ziggler was the conquering babyface. And these two dudes – Who were – You know, they, they teamed up. Were pitted against him. Unfairly, two on one. Unfair. So then, so then, Dolph Ziggler, the you know the smart babyface, then before the match, smart, attacks smart. one of the guys. He that's smart. He attacks one of the guys, makes it a one on one match, and then those dashly heels, the one that he attacks, comes back in. They two on one, double team him, and Dolph Ziggler loses. And it was it was it was terrible. And then you know after the match, he got upset and, and fought off the two heels, and and the crowd triumphantly cheered him on. And it was great. I thought it was the best uh, they've done with Dolph Ziggler as a babyface yet. So isn't it amazing how off the pulse this company is? I mean, that's. <laughs> That's bait. You described exactly what happened, and then <laughs> except I mixed up the words "babyface" and, and heel. And then we're supposed to be yeah. surprised that the fans got behind Ziggler. Why the <laughs> fuck wouldn't they have gotten behind Ziggler? He outsmarted I- these two dopes. <laughs> then he lo- then it's like he unfairly loses because the the, the unfair odds that were stacked against him, uh, and and then he flips out like a normal like the people in the crowd can relate to. He flips out. Because he got screwed over. Yeah, yeah. Like a little Bret Hart thing. Yeah. He flips out and beats the shit out of the guy. Of course they're going to cheer him. I mean, why the hell wouldn't they? If you, if, listen, like you just said, if you just parachute into this and you have, you've been in a coma for 10 years and you haven't seen any wrestling, you would think that he was the baby face in this. Well, it's funny because I, I was watching the nurse and she had no idea that, that, that Dolph Ziggler had turned heel or whatever. And the entire match, she's like, why are these guys? And I didn't tell her. I didn't clue her in on anything. And I like to do that sometimes because it's nice to have sort of a, an, unfiltered, you know, sure, a, sure. A, an unfiltered view. So I'm just sitting there and she goes, why are these two guys beating on Dolph Ziggler? Like, what the hell are they doing? That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. And then Ziggler, you know, win, or, you know, loses in the end. And she's like, well, that's not fair at all. Like, why did those two guys, why did they get two and he only got one or whatever? And I went... Uh, yeah, did you know that Dolph Ziggler is the bad guy in this situation? She went, that's stupid, and then she went to go take a bath. So. It's amazing. <laughs> that's when she it, left. She said, this is stupid. I'm- it's, I can't blame her. I mean, it's amazing that they've done a better job getting Ziggler over as a heel unintentionally well, than they did. Imagine like a superhero face. movie where like the Joker, like Superman and Batman are just beating up on the Joker. Like the entire movie is them two just kicking on the Joker for the entire time. Like at what point do you go? Well, that kind of sucks. Like, I, I, yeah. And at what point do you rally behind the Joker when he outsmarts <laughs> the two idiots? Exactly. You know, and, you know, it, it's like it's like they did a be- they do a better job heating this guy up when he's a heel to get babyface reactions than they ever did when he was a face. I mean, look at this guy's long term story. His whole long term story has been, I'm this great hardworking guy who just keeps hitting that glass ceiling, and you know, I just can't break through that glass ceiling. He finally snaps because of it, goes insane, which everyone can relate to. And then on the heels of that, you put him in a situation that everyone can relate to, where he is the odds stacked against them. He valiantly fights them all. Why would people not get behind them? This is, and then when he's a baby face, he's out there cutting promos about how he's a show off, and he's yeah. I thought that was that was perfect, and I I don't know if you put it on the forums or, or you tweeted it out, but I thought that was the most glaring part of that. This entire thing is is the Dolph Ziggler character, and and everything that the Dolph Ziggler character has been about is when he's a heel. 
He's, you know, fighting for equality and fighting, you know, to break the glass ceiling. And then when he's a good guy, he's the show off and he's going to steal the show and and be awesome. And it's like, that's that, that not puts how people off. nobody relates to that. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, the 70 year old that runs a company doesn't know that. And then they don't know that with Roman Reigns either. Like, that's a huge part of why I don't think Roman Reigns has gotten over is he doesn't show any humility. And people like guys with humility now that people don't want a guy that goes in there and goes, well, I'm the big dog and I'm going to kick your ass and you suck and you're garbage or whatever. Nobody likes that. People like the humble person. I mean, we, we, the example we used many many years ago was um uh, steph curry you know as he was sort of emerging from the golden state warriors people liked that he showed humility and the warriors showed humility and he was a little guy and he wasn't you know filled with god-given talent but now you can see the tenor around them is sort of as they've gotten cockier you know what i mean people don't like that anymore and now more and more people are into like the russell westbrooks and and other guys in the nba and they're not as much into curry and the warriors because dudes started winning a bunch and they got real cocky about it and people don't like that anymore i mean that's not the modern fan doesn't really isn't really attracted to the 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 good looking dude that has everything going for him and is a, a cocky asshole like they don't like that they like the underdogs just I mean, look how look how daniel bryant there's a great example perfect example yeah look how western fans respond to okada and naito yeah i mean that's it right there yeah okay okada everybody hates ah, him he's the he's... office guy ah the office just right. doesn't stop pushing him ah he's fucking cocky and Naito's like this gritty underdog who, in, in in their perception, has never been treated fairly. It's like exactly. yeah. it's the same dynamic, and and um, this is how American wrestling fans they they respond to things differently now. This match was just a perfect example of this company having no clue how to tell effective stories anymore to get people over where the wrong guy got over. It was it's just amazing to me. Um, it's 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 just it's it made no sense on the surface anyway. The two versus one, you're already off to a bad start with the two heels being. You know, I mean, it's just a mess. It's just a mess, and the match was not good. I mean, you can't even overlook all that and say, well, they went out there and and had a great seven minute. No, they didn't. It was do- you know what this was, Rich. It wasn't even a. Ma- it was it was it was it was a, a long reverse chin lock bookended by two angles. That's what this was. It wasn't even a mat. I can't even call it a yeah, match. Yeah, it was. It was. This was zero bad, stars, yeah. Rich. It was zero stars. I'm sorry. If you, if you look, I like the post match angle, even though I like it for like Schadenfreude reasons. You know what I mean? Like like fuck the company because it backfired. Like is that what Schadenfreude is? That no, that's taking uh, solace in someone else's. That's enjoying someone else's misery. Yeah, well, I guess well, yeah, it's no, a little different. Maybe, yeah, a little different. Yeah. Maybe it's not shading for, but I liked it from the perspective of the company's angle got shit on. But the whole thing is a package with zero fucking stars. Just bad. Then they follow this up with the twenty-minute tag team turmoil match, American Alpha, huge betting favorites before the match. I know you were on your sports book looking that up, Rich. <laughs> of course, some always. bets. Uh, last eliminating the Ascension. Connor and Victor. <laughs> I could not believe that they were getting a bit of a push here. Well, they got the um, that they got the big pin on SmackDown to set it up. So, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Look, this wasn't good. Um, another major problem I have with SmackDown is they did this great turn with the Usos a few months ago, and what the fuck have they done with them since? I Nothing. mean, you've you've given the Usos a fresh coat of paint, and was there an act on this roster that needed a fresh coat of paint? Worse than the Usos. I don't think that there was. So they went through with the heel turn. Uh, you got them out there. Okay. I mean, do they kind of look like Hunico and Camacho? Sure they do. But nobody remembers Hunico and Camacho, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, they're one bicycle away from being Hunico and Camacho. They're you know? pretty close, but, yeah. Unfortunately, um, we, we talked about a few years ago, the uh, uh, T-shirt time coming for the Usos. 
Man, Jay got huge. I I forget. Every time he comes on, I'm like, oh, man, he is getting bigger by the he day. He's like, t-shirt time, baby. <laughs> t-shirt time. I, I think uh, Jay has reached, like, you got to actually be a little more careful there, buddy, because uh, you, you could be. Uh... Uh, listen, he's they, 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 it happens to all of them, Rich. Go look at early tape of, of Tonga Kid slash Tama slash Samoa Savage. Yeah, yeah. Go look at early tape of Fatu. Go look at early tape of shit. Go look at early Tina. I mean, he won't know he's 600 pounds. It happens to all of them. And Roman Reigns is shitting his cargo pants, Rich, that it's (laughs) going to happen to him. I mean, it's just in their genes. I mean, these guys get into their 30s and it's it's look, it's it's their family, man. That's their gene. It's like, you know, if baldness runs in someone's family, (laughs) you're probably going bald. If everyone wears glasses in your family, you probably can't fucking see this family. These annoys or whoever the hell you pronounce it. These people pack on the pounds when they hit. There. It is T-shirt time for the Usos. Uh, he's but here's one of them is like definitely much fatter than the other, though, which I found kind of funny. But... They all retain their athleticism, though. These guys are freak athletes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, family. absolutely. I mean, and it also makes them more impressive wrestlers because now you've got these 280 pound cannonballs flying all over the place. I mean, so it almost works in their favor. And I like it. I love that. That's why I love that entire family. I mean, that family is among my, you know, God, they're my favorite wrestling family in the world. Like, I even loved Yokozuna even when he was hugely obese because he would do some stuff here and there where he'd be like, oh, there you go. Like, because yeah, they always still have awesome athleticism. And of course, Haku and and all those guys that you mentioned as well, they always retain the athleticism. Uh, Haku, and yeah, what the hell are you talking about, Haku? Oh, sorry, sorry, not Haku. Tama, what, Tama. Did, what did I? That's what I meant to say. Why the hell did I say Haku? I have no idea. That's but, a uh, whole different wrestling family. No, that's yeah. I don't want to get into that wrestling family. Actually, that's, yeah, that's I can't rip no. them anymore either. They're doing a nice job. No, they're, they're working out too. But uh, no, but I love it because yeah, their family. It, like those guys come out and and I even watching this Usos match, I'm like, I'm into this guys being like a bunch of fatties that are still doing flips and because it looked like it hurt. Like every time now, because it never looked like it hurt when the Usos, you know, did a flip on you, did a, some funny move. This looked like it fucking hurt. So look, look, I'm into the Usos. Look, we're yeah. not saying they're 300 pounds. I mean, no, no, I mean, no, 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 just, God, you yeah. can see it coming is all we're saying but but i like them as heels and i think they're 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 look i think they're getting over the idea that their heels very well they're 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 working at a gimmick and all but they, they, they don't do anything with them what are they doing with them i mean they're just they're just toiling around in the middle they're even in the middle of this match just in the middle of this one getting you know getting eliminated in the middle just just doing nothing with this team and it's very disappointing and you kind of forget they're even there. I, you do. Sometimes. You do forget they're there. And I was excited about them when they made their turn. This tag division on SmackDown is so shitty, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There's a bunch of good teams here to work with. You know, it's just, it's it's very frustrating. Didn't like that match at all. Nikki Bella versus Natalia. Look, it was fine. I'm, look, the double count out. I mean, really? I mean, I don't know. I, that, that came off flat to me. How did this come off to you? Yeah, flat's a good word for it. I think what the problem was is because everything else prior to it had been kind of shitty. <laughs> it's like if this, you know, and again, we talk about vacuum again. If, if this match ended in a double count out and the rest of the card had been pretty good and there's been solid matches and the storytelling had been solid, you wouldn't have cared. But it, it being the fifth match or the, you know, the fourth match rather uh, of this night, it was just like, oh, my God. Like after this, you know, you're you're an hour into this show and you're like, oh, Jesus. Like I felt like I just wasted a complete hour of my life with just poor to- storytelling and poor booking. And, and, and I haven't really gotten a good finish out of any of this thing. So that that unfortunately – uh, hurt it a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it was fine. It, it it had a, it was brutal, but it wasn't like I I don't know. I'm I'm not as into this feud as, as some other people are. I, I think the story of it's kind of cool, but I I don't know if the work's all that great. So Natalia doesn't really ever do much for me. I believe you're still on mute, sir. Hello. There you are. Hi. <laughs> I was indeed on mute. 
uh, yeah, there's a pattern of continuation with uh, with uh, with these with these women's feuds. Obviously, they're going to keep the Becky Mickey James thing going after Becky got the banana peel win, and uh, with the double count out, they're going to keep this one going as well. Um, you know, which is fine. They're letting these feuds find their legs, but I really wish they came up with better finishes than they did for this show. I just had problems with both of the finishes. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, and then uh, Maurice had had powder on her face. After the brawl backstage, so there you go. Okay, if that if that works you up, okay. That's the no. I'm saying that's the impetus of a, of a potential WrestleMania match, sir. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You, yo, yeah. You're, that's, you mean you mean <laughs> that angle kicked all this off, is what you mean? No, I'm not saying I was like erotically. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were getting, yeah. you know. No, so I, thought, I thought you were waiting for to queef with the powder. No, jeez. But yeah, nice. all right, yeah, okay, right. that's fine. I see where you're going now. It went over my I'm head. Maurice is a fine. I mean, I'm, I'm Maurice is a, is a fan. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. But uh, yeah, she's all right. Yeah. Uh, it was better, but I, I, no, I still like it, but I don't like blondes that much, but uh, she not a big blonde guy either. Not a big fan of the blondes. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's up there, but yeah, go on. Randy Orton, Luke Harper. This is where the show started to pick up a little bit. Speaking of erotically aroused. <laughs> oh, sure. Orton. Absolutely. I tell you, I have an ex-girlfriend who's a big fan of the Orton. I, I can say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, she's I a can... big fan of the Orton. And That's why she's an ex of you, right? And you know, so. she, uh, she, you know, what's funny is, I, I, you know, she didn't tell me this until years so later. Was she puffy HGH Orton or the like skinny tattooed see, that's, cut Randy Orton? That's what I don't because those are two different human beings. This is what I don't know because I never knew she was a big fan of the Orton. I was talking to her, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and you know, rap, oh, yeah, rap, yeah, but what? Not like that. Yeah, oh no, 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 she oh. lives in New Jersey, isn't? Oh, okay. and, and and this and trust me, this relationship, Rich, <laughs> is not going back. Never reconcile. Okay, all right. We're listen. We're great friends. It's one of them deals where great friends. I want you to die if we're in a relationship. You understand? You ever been in one of these? Yeah, I got okay. You. So, yeah, yeah. um, and it's understood on both sides. But anyway, so we're talking about wrestling, and uh, you know, uh, she was talking about how one of her friends is really into the Roman Reigns. Rich really wants to bang the Roman, which isn't uncommon. But Roman is uh, not even close to her type. She doesn't like the long hair and all. She's that's just not her scene. And she's like, uh, Randy Orton. Now that's my guy. And she slipped that in there. And I was like, Wait a minute. How come I in the past fifteen years I never heard that? Why am I just hearing that now? See, she kept this from me when we were together. I, I didn't know she was a fan of the Orton. Uh, and she slips it in there, you know, years after the relationship ended. So I can't answer your question. I don't know if it was a constant thing or if it's just a, a newfound thing. I'm thinking it's constant, though, because I doubt she's sitting there watching SmackDown Live on Tuesday nights if she's not with me anymore. So I think it was Puffy Orton. Puffy, Puffy HJ and, okay. and, and now we're, you know, Curran Orton too, I guess. And she has friends. Who- Cause uh, they're different people. I mean, he's a little bit more rugged now. He's got the tats going. He's got the shaved head. I'd, I'd be interested to see it. Was he like, was he get well, Randy? Was that, was that her, oh, her the, Orton of choice? Well, remember well, no, the shaggy hair? Well, he had the, he had the Bamba bangs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. I know she hates that haircut. The Hoover high, so, the Hoover high uh, bangs. So yeah, probably not that version of Orton, but I'm not even surprised he's right up a rally. That's the thing. But I, I'm just a little miffed that I didn't have this information in real time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you'd like to know. You'd like yeah, to know these like things to... when you're in a relationship. Yeah, and tell me, like, I, most people, I mean, most normal men won't get no, mad. I'm not about gonna it. Get mad like, no, okay. I'm not gonna get mad. They're mostly interested. They mostly want to ask. Like that, that's. I'm always just like, oh, really? Huh? Okay. Exactly. Like, it's just curious. Like, what, what does it do? Like, how, what, 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 what is it about it? the Orton? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, th- those are the things I want to know. You know, I'm not going to throw a fit over it. Jeez, I'm a grown man. But uh, yeah, so now if it was Luke Harper, I might be a little more confused. <laughs> like, oh, well, I I'd have a lot one. of questions if it was. Well, then you got to grow a big ass beard then because I think that might be. I mean, so what is it? The stained, you know, wife beater? Is it the is it the gnarly beard? I mean, what is it about Luke Harper? 
the the receipt the, the unfortunate hairline. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, unfortunate bald spot that's growing by the minute. I'm sure so, he's a nice fella. It is Thursday, and you know what that means. But I would like to know, you know, what it is about Luke Harper. But uh, but yeah, so Randy Orton, Luke Harper. This is where the show picked up. The first half of this match stunk, and I buried it on Twitter. So of course, the second half was awesome to make me look like a complete jerk off. But uh, the second half of the match was excellent, I thought, and really saved the, not only saved the match, but it turned into a pretty awesome match from there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and of course Orton was gonna win. You know, he's gonna, uh, you know, and and that he's gonna face Bray Wyatt for the, I think we all saw that coming. Um, Is he on SmackDown? He said he's not gonna face him. You know, that's true, Rich. You know, I'm gonna have to put some more thought into that. <laughs> but Orton Harper, look, I had it at about three right. and a half. Three and a half. I don't know. Three and a half. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. I, I came away with it enjoying it, but I don't know that I have any like super strong thoughts about it. It, it was fine. I, all I was thinking is I want these guys to wrestle again, and I want them to lose kind of that first half of that match and, and try to harness a little bit more in it. Because I think these are a guy that if they had a bunch of matches for you know a few weeks or whatever, or you know every so often they face off each other, I think they have good chemistry as well. It's just it took a little while to get there, and when it got there, it, it was solid. But yeah, I was left a little empty just because that first part of the match was just kind of there. It was the first match on the show I liked, and I was starting to get grumpy. Okay, because now oh, I was I was super grumpy at this point. Yeah, I was an hour and a half, two hours in, and, and very grumpy. I'm like, come on already! All right, so then we had Naomi Alexa Bliss. I talked about this earlier. They didn't heat up Naomi at all. The title change again. This is just another title change that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand the point. And again, that's just what this company does. I mean, you have a chance to make these titles mean something, and they'll always find a way to not make them mean anything. I don't care about this title anymore. It changes hands too much. People who uh, do not deserve it in the kayfabe sense because they haven't been properly built or winning the title. I, so it makes me not give a shit. Um, you know, and I specified in the kayfabe sense because there's this whole thing, uh, you know, uh, with people deserving title. Like, do you deserve it, Chan? And this deserve. And look, look, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. And you alluded to it earlier, but I'm sorry. I come from the idea of in pro wrestling, nobody deserves shit. No one is entitled to shit. Uh, you know, it, it's titles can be money drawing devices. Like you said before, if they're treated properly, you can turn these meaningless props into money drawing devices. When you bounce these titles around and you put them on people because they quote deserve it because you've been a good soldier for seven or eight years, it just dilutes it and it makes it impossible for the titles to mean something in the eyes of the fans. And that's exactly what's going on with this title here. I think it's a perfect example. Alexa Bliss was given the title way too soon. She cannot work a competent, long uh, pay-per-view style match. She just cannot. There's too many holes in her game. She's not good enough yet, and that's not on her. She's essentially a rookie. How many matches had Alexa, has Alexa Bliss had in her life? Has she even had 100? I'm, yeah, that's interesting. I actually was thinking about that. Let me, I'm going to look that up right you know, now. So I can't even blame her necessarily. And the thing with Bliss is her character work is awesome. She's a tremendous heel. Her, her promos are great. He understands her character almost as good as anyone on the roster. She said 246 matches. Uh, so way actually. more than I thought. But, you know, it's like it's still she's green. And it comes out in these longer matches. And we were worried about this match before the show. And it didn't break down as badly as I thought it would. But there were some very clunky spots here. And, 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 and areas where it almost fell apart. Yeah, what's telling, though, 115 singles matches ever. So... Yeah, I mean it, it. Not a lot where she's got on her own or by herself. So. And Naomi's not exactly a super worker either, you know. No, yeah. I've yeah. been a fan of Naomi. I think she does. Yeah, I like. I like it, but yeah, no. I mean, she's not one that's going to carry Alexa Bliss. No, yeah, these are two people who need to be in there with someone better. Right, right. And and they were in there with each other. And like I said, it was it, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it didn't blow me away either. I was pleasantly surprised that 
at, at, at the averageness of this match. Um, but I'm just annoyed that, that these title changes. I mean, what, yeah, what, what, where did this come from with Naomi? It just came out of nowhere. I don't get it. I guess because you have the other four women locked into these long-term feuds. But why does that mean Naomi has to win this match? Why not let Bliss get her feet under her? If you're going to push her too soon, why not at least let her get some feet under her and hold this title for a while? I just – I don't – I don't know. I, I'm, I get, I'm getting way too up, way more upset about this than I should. These are WWE titles – but again, I didn't follow my own rule of keeping this company at arm's length. <laughs> That's what you gotta they do, press yeah. the reset button with this brand, and they're fucking it all up. And they're making me not care again. It's going to get to the point where a month from now, you're going to say, Joe, who's the SmackDown Women's Champion? And my answer is going to be Rich. I don't know. Because in my head, I'm just going to tune it out, and I'm not going to care. And if I don't care, I'm not going to pay attention. Uh, as far as you deserve it, ones, I know some people are a little bit more passionate about it than others. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence of it. I, I thought I, I do like... The you deserve a chance for for guys that and what it started with is it was for guys and girls that that were you know on the indies and going to WWE and in sort of a, a weird way because it had been the you sold out chance for so long or whatever and then it eventually became no you know you busted your ass on the indies forever and now you're signing with WWE you know you you deserve this you you you've worked to this level that's cool you know go get it go get your money you know do that sort of stuff I'm fine with that champ but now it's 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 kind of become a little passe and and the issue is because now people are doing it for every single title and and and, and you, people are gonna say oh well no they haven't done it. Trust me, they've been doing it every time lately. And if you think for a second that Goldberg's not getting a you deserve it chant when he wins, you're out of your mind because he is absolutely going to get one. And that will be the official moment when it jumps the shark is when Goldberg, you deserve this title. Or, you know what I mean? Like, and I get the ideas of like a lifetime achievement award or whatever. And that, I, I get that. But Naomi isn't a lifetime achievement award at this point. You, you know what I mean? Like Bray Wyatt is not a lifetime achievement award at this point. If you really want to make it that of, oh, well, it's for these, you know, people only chant it and it's okay if it's for somebody who's who's worked forever to get to this point and worked really hard or whatever. I mean, a Bray Wyatt did, you know, did he really? I mean, yeah, okay, cool. You were born, you know, of in the wrestling business and, and you trained for a little bit and then you, you know, made it to the main roster. And like, did he really deserve it in that sense? Like, I had more issue with people chanting it to him than Naomi. If you want to say Naomi, yeah, she kind of worked her way up a uh, little by little, but like a Bray Wyatt, like, what, what, see, you know? this isn't, this isn't specifically about Naomi to me. This, no, of this course not. About, no, we're just using this as the example. These are the so. title changes that happen to happen on this show. So, but. It, it, this idea that anyone in wrestling, you know, is entitled to anything just because they've been good soldiers for a number of years, it, that's not how it works. It's it's like Meltzer was saying before on Twitter, uh, how he was saying, yeah, just because my kid's a great student, does he deserve to be valid, valedictorian? And that's really a great comparison because be the champion it, 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 in wrestling, what it used to mean was you were the top person. You would mean either meant. They, they had faith in you in some way, either to usually to draw money, but sometimes in other ways. In, 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 in maybe they had a plan for you because they thought you can get someone over down the line that was going to draw, whatever the case may be. Title changes like this, they're not earned in any sense. I mean, and, 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 and fans, I think you made the great point before, I think younger fans don't have no concept of what titles used to mean because even the most important titles in this company aren't used the same way they were in the past. And it's a shame. It's missed opportunities. That the company isn't taking advantage of titles. Well, and people retroactively do that too, because how many times do you see countdowns on websites or whatever? Oh, the top ten guys that never got a WWF title, and it's like, oh, Jake Roberts or Mister Perfect or whatever. Right. And it's like, I think those guys are fine yeah, with where they were. Why did they like, need to have title runs? No, they were good. Like they they and were I'm they glad were fine. You yeah, up Jake Roberts, because I, I I referenced him on Twitter when I was talking about this point. And I almost forgot about it. I read an interview with him. It had to be fifteen or twenty years ago, long before okay. shoots were really a thing, or maybe when they were just starting to become a thing. 
And someone brought up the point. They said, Jake, you didn't hold a lot of titles. You never held a title in WWF. You didn't hold a lot of regional. You held a national title or whatever, uh, some smaller titles here or there. And and Robert said, and, he, and this, is, it, this really relates to this. He said, I never wanted titles. His point was, I wanted to get to the top of the card without a title because then I wouldn't have to lug it around from town to town. I wanted my goal in wrestling was just to be a main eventer and make the most money possible. Titles meant nothing to me. I didn't want to be a champion. It's just extra luggage. And I know that extra luggage thing, but the old school wrestlers really looked at it like extra luggage. They wanted titles because it meant they'd be in main events. That's the only reason those guys wanted titles. They didn't want titles because it meant anything to them. And I think that's where Meltzer got in a little bit of trouble with Zack Ryder last year. Because Meltzer is still in this mindset from the wrestlers that he's been talking to for 20 or 30 years who legitimately never gave a fuck about winning titles other than it meant they were going to make more money. So when you have Zack Ryder and now ever since then Alexa Bliss and and all these people crying when they win titles and going on Twitter and saying how much it means to them. Sasha Banks all six times. Sasha Banks and and Alexa Bliss and, and Zack Ryder and they cry when they win titles. Okay. I think what Dave is missing here is these people grew up as wrestling fans. (laughs) Zack Ryder was an enormous wrestling fan. Sasha Banks was a big wrestling fan. These people grew up fans, and it does mean something to them that it didn't mean to wrestlers. Wrestlers in the past didn't give a shit about these times. These wrestlers today grew up fans, and it does mean something. It does validate them on some level. And I think Dave is still kind of stuck in that older mindset. Uh, He thought Zack Ryder was working when he did all that. And he said (laughs) Zack Ryder wasn't working, that he was a mark. Basically, he didn't call him a mark because, you know, Dave's not going to use that word. But he he basically implied that Zack Ryder was a mark if he was marking out for winning the Intercontinental title. I don't think Zack Ryder was working, Rich. I think he really was honored to be the Intercontinental. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no no doubt. I'm not ripping Zack Ryder for that. I do think it's a little silly, to be completely honest, but I'll rip, look, whatever makes you happy. Look, if that, look, if he's a big fan and that means something to him, great. I do think wrestlers today that are under the age of 35 or so really do take pride in that. But with that said, and that's great. If Naomi's taking a ton of pride in winning this title, awesome for her. I'm glad it makes her feel good. I still don't have to think that she deserves this. I don't still, I don't have to think that she's entitled to this. I don't think any wrestler is entitled to shit. I, I don't, Rich. I think... If you are the top draw in a company, that is when you are entitled to be a champion. I think if you bring something to the table, if you're going to elevate a title, that's when you're entitled to be a champion. I don't think that titles should just be put on people because they've been in the company for a few years or they're hard workers or whatever else. Brad Armstrong was a hard worker. I think he should have been world champion. Did he deserve a world? No. He had his little role in the card and he did great. You just brought up Mr. Perfect, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Do I look back on his career and say, well, you know, he never won that WWF world title? It doesn't matter. He was a great wrestler, and he, and, he, and, he, and he fit his role perfectly. It would have been the wrong story for him to win the world title. And don't bring up the – we're talking about the we – know, we all know he was an AWA world champion. We get it, but that's not – We're not talking – yeah. <laughs> and that's not the point we're making here. But, I mean, this idea that people think – I mean, I just think it comes from younger fans. And, look, I'm not – again – I'm not ripping them rich. It's all they know. They don't exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's if, if that's people's frame of reference, then that's their frame of reference. I think. And in this company, as we've been pounding home for the last hour, talking about this, this particular uh, brand, they've diluted their titles and they just don't care anymore. And they don't treat them like that. So maybe we're the ones that are off, that are off base and fuck it. Give everyone a turn. Why not? Because what does it fucking matter? They've already they destroyed these things by doing this. So just keep doing it. What's the difference? 
Now, why not? Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the frustration is is in, in a lot of times because overall, I don't care. I mean, my, my my day wasn't ruined because Bray Wyatt won the title. I mean, I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all or that Naomi won the title or whatever. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't upset me or whatever. It's just, you know, in a sense that we kind of know that, hey, you can use these things and make a, a real big deal out of a, a title change. And you've chosen just not to do it. And it, it, it's more frustrating than anything. It's just like, all right, fine. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's one reason why we always say you just say arm's length of this company is it's like perfect opportunity to really do something and, and really make that title mean something and be such a great you know storyline device and, and you choose just to use it as a prop and and it is a prop but you can use it for so much more but they choose not to so whatever you know whatever <laughs> so moving on to bray wyatt he wins the title uh we had a feeling that he would um he gets a did he get the you deserve a chance that's just ridiculous he did I mean, yeah, yeah he I, did. it's just it's so silly i mean I, and that that one i took i was just like come on no he doesn't <laughs> like like even if you're the biggest bray wyatt fan in the world like what struggle did he go through like i get a you deserve a chant for like but no is like, he, was he really this this uh amazing charismatic draw who Never, just I, had to get it. He just had to break through that glass ceiling eventually. Like he's fucking Bray Wyatt for a good chunk yeah, of boring his, as fuck yeah. for three years. For a good <laughs> chunk of his career, he hasn't even been over. I mean, what does he deserve? He was in NXT fucking three years ago. What does he deserve? <laughs> Goldberg is going to get a You Deserve a Chant at Fastlane, and that will be the moment I know when everybody's going to go, oh, geez, what have we done? And then, like, then everybody will know, oh, oh boy, we, we really need to reel these guys in because I promise you he's getting one. You, promise you, know what hard, you know what your hard work entitles you to? Whatever level that hard work brings you. That's it. That's it. You're not entitled to fake wrestling titles. I'm sorry. I know I'm coming off maybe harsh when I talk about this topic, but I just don't fucking get it. Well, well, the other thing, too, that I, th- I think is funny is people bring up, like, oh, it's such a great honor, and it's such a... But then you're going to lose the title in a fucking week anyway, and they don't give a but shit about you. It's just like... If all the women are going to take a turn, then what... Then who has... Then, it, then is, no one takes... It doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Then what does it matter exactly. that Naomi won it if it's... That's what people always bring it up is, like, oh, well, it's such a big award or whatever. It's, oh, it's such an honor or whatever. And then they're going to yank it out of your hands in a week and a half. Like, who cares? Like, that would suck. She won it you know what I mean? like, Bliss, who stinks! <laughs> They put it on Alexa Bliss, who isn't ready. I mean, what does she deserve here? I mean, what kind of honor is this? But does it really make you feel like, does Sasha Banks really feel that much better? The, ni- the fifth time she wins the Raw title, is she going to really feel like, oh, man, thank you, Vince McMahon. Thank you, WWE. When everybody chants, you deserve it, and she wins it for that fifth time. And the fr- oh, my God. Thank you for finally. Oh, and I lost it again to Charlotte. Damn it. All right. Well, prize is this. They're going to they're gonna call <laughs> It's a shitty prize. Let's be honest. It's a pretty shitty prize. They can prize. call up one of the Australian women, whichever one, from NXT next week, and they'll beat Naomi. What does it matter if everybody wins this fucking title? What kind of honor is it? It doesn't mean a fucking thing. It means she gets to lug it around the airport. God, I sound like Cornette. Yeah. <laughs> we really, yeah. This is, we really went over the... The line but here, I don't, I don't listen, know. I don't listen. I'm standing firm on this one. I don't think anyone deserves shit. All right, so you know who deserves it? People who are going to draw money. That's who deserves these titles. Oh, you are Cornette. I just went full Cornette. <laughs> Let me tell you about this Cornette, Kenny Omega. I'm sorry, that's the way I look at titles. I mean, it annoys me that. God damn. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm going full Cornette on this one. Yeah, All right, you, so you, Bray wins a title, and he most certainly doesn't draw money. But I mean, <laughs> nor does he deserve. And it. I just think it's funny that after the match, uh, JBL, and I know he's just doing his job. And maybe it might have been on SmackDown. I don't know if it was on the on the show, but he's he's saying you're looking at the WrestleMania main event. <laughs> he said that on he said that on on, uh, on the show. Yeah, it's, Ram- I, no, he said it on the show. No, he absolutely said it on the show. Yeah, on, on I think he said it on SmackDown too when Orton came out to go face to face with Wyatt at the end of the show. 
or whatever. It might have been here. I don't know. <laughs> you're looking at the WrestleMania main event. No, you're not, John. They're probably going to go on third. Okay, this is not the WrestleMania. This it is might main- open the show. For and guys. you know what? This is. And you know what? This just brings us full circle and makes my fucking point. When you change these titles this frequently and treat them like trash, they go on third at WrestleMania, and Bill Goldberg, 50 years old, headlines WrestleMania. Okay, that's the end result of people deserving titles. This is what happens. The title that they made, it, it just might open the fucking show. It might curtain jerk WrestleMania. Yeah, it might. It, might. it very well could. The SmackDown, that was a common thing. The SmackDown title would many times do it. So I mean, so I mean, right there, that, that, that exemplifies the point. But look, this was a great match. Uh, yes, yeah, it was. This was... You watched all the chamber matches. I did not, Rich. You ain't got time for fucking pre-show matches. I don't have time to watch Elimination Chamber matches. But you went through and watched all of those. And you went on record saying that this may have been the best Elimination Chamber match of all time. Yeah. Do you still stand firm on that? And if I do. Yeah, I, re- I really do. Having watched, you know, a lot of them, you, you know, the, the prior, I didn't watch every single one, but the highly regarded ones, you know, on Twitter, I say, what are the best ones? And people gave me, you know, a list of, of, of a few and, and, and five or six came up all the time. So I went back and rewatched a lot of those. And, and yeah, like the first one, it, it, the Survivor Series 2002 one is kind of the gold standard. Everybody brings that one up. And, and having watched that one, like right before I watched the entire Elimination Shape uh, pay-per-view, I can say without question that this was the best one. And I have, I have a theory of why I think that too. And, and it could be sort of the style of match that I like. And it, it was a point of contention for some people because, you know, they redesigned the chamber, of course, this year. Uh, and it had, you know, more space on top of the pods for guys to kind of work up um, as well. And then they had the pads. And, or, you know, they looked like they were just kind of black, you know, boards or whatever. But they were definitely pads. I mean, they were definitely padded to make guys, you know, be able to do the bumps on the sides or whatever. For some people, that, that kind of took away some of the brutality, some of the, you know, that that's what the Elimination Chamber had always been. It had been, okay, you're getting, you know, doing backdrops onto these chains and backdrops onto these, you know, steel guardrail, these, you know, steel grates or whatever. And, like, people liked that. It, it added a, 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 you know, a sense of, of, of danger and a sense of brutality or whatever to that. But in my sense, I watched this match and I went, oh, my God, these guys felt comfortable saying, yeah, I'll take this bump. Yeah, I can do this. You have John Cena doing a freaking, you know, uh, cross body off the top of the chamber. You have guys taking bumps off the chamber onto the sides or whatever. You have guys that were flying around a little bit more. You go back and watch old chambers. There's guys that don't want to do that because they go, no, this fucking hurts, man. I'm not doing a backdrop onto a steel grate. Like, I'm just not doing that. So there was always this sense of, yeah, it felt more dangerous and it looked more dangerous and it looked more brutal. But in that same sense, people were being a little bit more cautious with it. Guys weren't taking bumps out on the outside. People weren't doing real big risks. People weren't jumping off the top of the pods and, and doing stuff like that. Where this one, and it right up my alley, guys were moving all around the world. We're taking big bumps. We're diving and jumping and, and doing things. And I thought that opened up the match a ton because usually the, the elimination chambers were a lot of guys just kind of wrestling in the ring. You get your, you know, your prototypical guy goes through the, you know, the plexiglass or whatever thing and then like you know one or two guys take a bump onto that that steel grate but this match people were, were were more ambitious and i thought that made for a much better match and i was on mute again my friend uh yeah look um i didn't have a i, I agree with almost everything you said i don't i don't have a problem with the extra padding or anything like that they're gonna want to keep these guys safe it's also a different time these guys aren't gonna go in there and blade and 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 and, and work this super brutal match it's not what the company is right now so i i didn't have a problem with it from that perspective look i thought this match had good action i thought it told good stories and i thought it was exciting and i thought it was dramatic what more do you want um, and that's coming into it knowing that Bray Wyatt was going to win. And I still thought it was dramatic, and I still thought it was a lot of fun. 
I thought Bray had a good performance, though. I think of, of oh, yeah, all Bray Wyatt performances, this is probably the favorite I've ever seen. I mean, he was, and, and I thought, I, I, I gave kudos on Twitter as well, but I want to do it here as well. AJ Styles taking that Sister Abigail. I have never seen someone take that Sister Abigail as good as AJ Styles took it. I mean, he made that move look like a fucking million bucks. AJ Styles is the best. How, He's so good. Are there any adjectives left for AJ Styles? I mean, no, the guy is there's, just, nothing. there's nothing. Well, in this match as well, he had like two micro four-star matches like, yes, in he this did. match alone. Absolutely. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Stop. Just stop being so good. Just have a bad match, Styles. Just try to have a stinker. Just please. Get, I just want to see him try to do listen, it. Maybe get, you got to book him against Kurt Hawkins. I was just going to say. That's, that's legitimately the only stinker he's had in like four years. You know what I mean? Like, and there's been a few, of course. But like the only notable stinker he's had was like the one with Brian Myers in, in PWG. But otherwise, it's like, come on. Like, even in this match, you have to have two amazing micro matches within this that are also great. Like, what the hell? Just stop. Like, AJ Kurt Hawkins 2 is going to happen. Okay. And it's going to be a happening. And we're going to face the facts, and it's going to be gonna, about a two star. We're going to face the facts. Do you think, do you think that even. Could it still be bad, or do you think Styles is on such a, a a a level now that it can't even be bad? It'll be so short that it'll be hard to be bad because they're not going to let him yeah. go even with him. But when do you think this is happening? It'll happen. Like <laughs> you think it's soon, or I don't know, but it's going to happen. Okay. They're on okay. the same brand. I, I suppose. Kurt Hawkins is moving up the card. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, I don't. You know, I, I I'll be honest. I don't know if I agree with that. But uh, and it's it's. <laughs> I feel like if anything, he's probably moving down. I, there, I don't look. I look. I can see that match. It's going to be a television match, and it's it's going to draw big ratings too. I would think because it's an opportunity for AJ to face the facts, and and yeah. you know they got to do it in like they got to do it in like Los Angeles area or whatever. You know what I mean? Like a. Oh, put it back in L.A., huh? Yeah, put it. You know, they gotta have somebody's gotta have a, 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 some sense of, of of humor to it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who would be the guy that would 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 do that, but yeah, I mean, I, nobody cares. Literally zero people in that company, including Styles and and, and Kurt Hawkins, gave a shit about that. So but. you don't think that that's the tape that Kurt Hawkins runs at the Creative Pro Wrestling School, Long Island, New York? <laughs> You don't think he's running the the Brian Myers AJ Styles PW? Show him how to work. Yeah, here. You know he's not running that tape. Here's how you work a crowd, boys. He's not <laughs> popping that one into the VCR. You don't think that's the tape so he's showing? Bad. Remember how bad uh-huh. that was? And like the crowd was embarrassed too. They didn't really know what to do. They were do. embarrassed. They were annoyed. And- well, they were like, it started off where they were just like, oh boy, okay, this is what you're gonna do. All right, and then like. I think, like, the initial was sort of embarrassed for Brian Myers and then got annoyed as the match kept going on and on and on. It was just kind of like, all right, go home, buddy. This is, this is not and working out. And then the out. finish was a disaster. Oh, and then it got worse, and they were just like, fuck this. Never like, invited back, by the way, Brian Myers. No, no, he never is. Uh, invited he's back. Never invited back. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I thought uh, Styles was just I, – I was going to say phenomenal, Rich. That would have been really corny, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was the first word that came to mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was phenomenal in this match. I thought, I thought, uh, you know, Cena. I love the callback with the rolling AA where he held on to it. Did you notice that little spot there? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, I and it. I, I think you're right. I thought Bray was very good here. Um, look, if nothing else, this show is fair. Bray was good. We said he's good. Mojo was good. I said he was good. Um, I thought they told a good story with Baron Corbin because even though he was eliminated first, he really fucking ran through guys before he was eliminated. So he didn't look bad. I mean, you know, he didn't look bad at all. And he's clearly a guy that they're going to push. I think he's the most overrated guy on the brand. I stand by that. Um, uh, I don't think he's terrible. I think he's improved. But like I said about Mojo, the guy's in his 30s or he's approaching his mid-30s. How much better do you think he's going to get? I mean, this is it with Baron Corbin. I mean, he's not going to become, you know, uh, you know, name your great big guy super. He's, he's not going to happen. You know, this is who he is. And, uh, yeah, I kind of came away from the match, uh, as I, I often do, thinking that Corbin was just not. not he's a guy. Know, 
there was a, there was another class of workers throughout yes. this match, and, and, and Corbin was wasn't Corbin, in that so. group, correct? No, I mean he was well <laughs> below everybody else in this match. Um, and and the the thing about Corbin is it it sounds like I hate the guy. Look, I think he's fine, but that's all he is. He's fine. For Baron Corbin to move up, he's going to have to continue working on his character stuff and that end of things because. Um, it, it, it's as a worker, everybody else does the work for him. I mean, if you, you look at the best Baron Corbin matches, you've got the chair match with Callisto, where Callisto flew all over the ring for the guy. You've got the matches versus Ziggler, which were all over the place. Some of them were a little sloppy, some of them were, but again, Ziggler working his ass off to make this guy look good. He's kind of just there, you know, he's a big guy who does some power moves. He doesn't, he projects himself well in some ways and in other ways, he's got a long way to go in that, in, in that area too, even though that's his strength. I think he's at his best just giving the dumb jock heel promo. I think that's where he's at his best, where he's just a, not a man of many words and he's got like his locker room put downs. You know what I mean? Like that's what he's, that's when he comes off at his best. It's not in the ring yet. I think he's – and there's people who bow at the altar of this guy's work. And, Rich, I don't know, man. I, either I'm missing something or I just don't see what all the fuss yeah, is. Yeah, I, I got a different TV than all those people too. I, yeah. I don't get it. I mean he's fine. Yeah. I don't think he stinks or anything. Oh, he's fine. Yeah, I don't he's, think he sucks. He's just a but, guy. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to get passionate about anything. In, and I'm mystified does, that, they're, that they – have big plans for him. I am. I think his look I'm tall. He's tall, tall and, but I mean, but he has a terrible his, look though. That's the other thing when people are like, like, oh, he's got a good look. Like, yeah, the balding, long hair, like weird tattoos, not in very good shape. Look is is I mean, really he's in. Skinny yeah. fat, and he just he, he's balding, and he doesn't look. Good. I I don't think he has a great look at all. I think he looks like Waylon Mercy. I, I don't know. I don't think he has a great look. Um, so, oh, that's Bray Wyatt that you're thinking of. It. I think, he, yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of like a combo, yeah. I guess. But I mean, he has that same shitty look that Dan Spivey mm-hmm. had at the end when he dyed his hair yeah. black and had bad fake tattoos. I mean, I don't think Baron Corbin is a marketable guy either, necessarily. I, I don't know. I, even as a top level heel, I don't know. Should have uh, given Dan Spivey a title run. He deserved that. In, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 95 w- yeah. yeah. Dan Spivey worked his ass off what, for 25 years. What is he yeah. get shit? Okay, what does he deserve? <laughs> All right, just give me a break. You deserve it. Get lost with that shit. Okay, so that's Elimination Chamber. Um, again, saved by the main event, um, which I thought was an excellent main. I think I went four and a half on that bad boy, Rich. I think I did you? Yeah, I, I put it right about there. I think that's- adding to yet another great, uh, you know, and we'll get to that after we talk about Osaka. But man, this this January and February has been ridiculous. Like <laughs> absolutely, just a crazy, crazy, crazy month with match quality. A uh, little. Are we all getting stupid or all these matches awesome? Like, I feel like I don't know. That's a a legitimate debate. There are people. Because it's gotten so ridiculous now that I'm not sure. Are we just all nuts and like crazy and think that everything's better than it is? But I I don't know. Like, brought that up. Yeah, we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. We'll get to it right now. There's people who are saying or strongly hinting, if you look around the internet, that how can it be possible that all of these all time great matches have happened in a five week span? implying that people are overrating things. Rich, I don't think that's the case. Uh, You're a baseball fan. I'm a baseball fan. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but you're familiar with the concept of hit clustering. You know what I'm talking about. Of course, yeah, yeah. Where it's like eventually over the course of 162 games, a player is going to be who he is. And there's this big debate. Is momentum real? Are streaks real? When a player gets hot, is that indicative? It's really just... Is clutch real and all that sort of of those sorts of things. But there's a concept of hit clustering where, okay, if you get... 20 of your hits in this short amount of time, eventually that's going to even out and you're going to get cold at some point because you are going to be who you are. 
this could just be a situation where we're having, uh, you know, something similar to Hit Cluster, where it just happens to be that a bunch of great matches happened in a five-week span. Why is that impossible to think? Why can't that happen? Uh, when I look back at my match rating, and I flip through the spiral notebooks, Rich, at the past few years, 2013, 14, 15, 16, there's months that are great, and then there'll be a month or two or three stretch where there's almost nothing, you know, last year, um, October, November, I think I maybe had four or five matches in each of those months that even hit four, let alone yes. hit a match at a yeah. year level. And it's like, I, I don't think that I was underrating things in those months. It just, there just weren't great matches in those months. It just so happens this was a great month with bit. Look, you have a month with Royal Rumble where they're going to load up the Royal Rumble like they haven't in years, and you're going to have and make it a Royal Rumble weekend too. And make I mean, it a Royal that, Rumble weekend with exactly with fringe shows and 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 bring NXT to town and Evolve comes to town, and you're going to have Wrestle Kingdom in that same month. Look, there's going to be great matches. It's just like every April is going to be heavy on great matches. Every August is going to be heavy on great matches, and some months are going to struggle. Uh, your Octobers, your Novembers typically struggle for me for whatever reason. I don't rate a lot of matches highly in those ones. I don't know why. You can't figure these things out. Look, I don't think that people are overrating matches. I think that these matches are all legitimately great. And why don't we just fucking enjoy it? Why are we so busy ripping people apart for quote-unquote overrating matches? Why, isn't it a good thing that people are really loving wrestling this year? What's wrong with that? I, I just I I don't know I, I to me it's it's ridiculous it's it's I'm a little upset that it even needs to be addressed but it is a theme right now that's floating around out there. Um, I mean, wh- which one of these matches, Rich, do you think are, are being overrated? I mean, I, I don't I don't see it. I mean, maybe maybe Okada Suzuki because I could see where that one might be divisive. Okay, yeah, but I don't even I didn't even have that rate. I have six matches rated higher than that. <laughs> right, right. I didn't even go crazy on that one. You didn't like it. See, you're a good example. You didn't love that match. So maybe that one, but the rest of them, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I don't want to do Okada Omega all over again, but the rest of these matches, I think, were for the most part universally enjoyed, right? I mean, I, I don't know what's being overrated, but what do you think people think are, is overrated? No, I, I just think it's in general uh, more than anything. I think it's just the, the, the amount of, of matches and I think the, just the general number. I don't think anybody's picking out one match and going, oh, that one is overrated or that one's overrated. They're just – there's this idea that, oh, well, how can there be this many good matches in one month? Or, you know what I mean? Like, so I think there's, there, there's that aspect of it happens. too. Because it just fucking happens. Yeah, I mean sometimes it just happens. I mean there, there's, there's notable great months that have happened throughout history or whatever. We've talked about it uh, multiple times on this show. I mean we, I think we've done a pretty good job on this show of sort of cataloging times and, and on this website as well. I know I did an article many years ago about you know August 2014. As, as being a great one. And I thought one of the best parts of that, that entire article was we had a bunch of comments from people going, no, you know, I think like, you know, May it doesn't, or 1994. But like, I don't remember what the exact months were. But people brought up really good months and you look through those and go, Jesus, that was a great month. That wasn't necessarily a great year in wrestling. It was like, yeah, 1994 wasn't like a standout year in wrestling, but it just so happened that everything in Japan was really good on this month or whatever because there was, you know, a, a champion carnival or something like that. And there was this tag tournament that was great. And like then WWF just happened to get lucky with SummerSlam. Or, like things just kind of happen sometimes. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any one thing that's overrated that's that's or like one match that's being overrated. I think just in general, people have this idea that like, oh, well, it can't be that great. Like people just have this idea that it can't pot and, and it happens with sports again, kind of your sports analogy. People are, are feel insecure about, well, there's no way that January and February 2017 is the best ever because, you know, when I grew up, it was 1990 was the best ever. This year was the best ever. This company was the best ever. And this company can't be that like just whatever. Like if this if people are enjoying this and, and, and you're 
it doesn't take away anything that was 1990. People aren't saying, well, that all sucked. Or, oh, All Japan Pro Wrestling sucked because New Japan's awesome now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's still great. It still was great in its time. But, like, new things kind of come up here and there. And then and constantly sort of worrying about what was popular in the past and, and that it sort of, you, you know, eliminates your history and your past and, 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 and that the, what you thought when you grew up wasn't true anymore and all that. It, it's still true. It's just sometimes things are better. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, this month is great too. And it, it can be just added into the, the pantheon of great months or whatever, great runs or whatever. It, it, it's fine. Who cares? Like, you make a great point. It doesn't invalidate your past. If, it, it, if, do, if, it absolutely does not. And that, that's a great point. People are insecure about anything new being better than something old. People right. are so insecure about that. And I'm not saying that modern New Japan is better or, you know, the last four years of New Japan are better than the glory days of All Japan or whatever. But if somebody thinks that, it doesn't mean that your opinion that All Japan is better is invalidated. Right. You can think that, and it's fine. Nobody cares. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It, but then you can respect it. Oh, you like modern New Japan? Well, I like this All Japan. Oh, cool. Well, you know, that, that, there you go. Mutual ground. That's fine. Whatever. Like, it it's, doesn't have to be this, this debate and argue. No, you've invalidated my life because... You think this is better than this. It's and it scared. extends beyond wrestling. In all walks of life, people are very insecure about something new better than being something old. Because a lot of it is you have memories attached to things that are old. or It's like, it's like we talk about music all the time. Most people stick with the genre of music that they enjoyed when they were teenagers. I mean, you, you ask your friends, think about yourself. It's it's so there is that insecurity I think and it, and it's not just wrestling related we see it in sports constantly Rich I mean it's that never stops in sports I mean and and, and you know it's it it works in the wrestling too I just wanted to make the quick point I just did some counting in January I had twenty six matches rated four stars or higher Jesus. which <laughs> is one of my high look I I don't I, look I, you're stingier than I am but I think I'm right in the middle I'm not as lenient as a lot of star graders are. 26 is my second highest month of all time of any year that I have recorded. So it was just a monster month. But just for comparison point, Rich, what, we got 12 days left in February, right? Right. I have seven. So it's not like... And it's not going to get more than no, that. How many I mean, there's really, there's nothing really going on. Yeah, there's not much going on. You know, on, I, so. there, there might be... I might have three or four more. Who knows? You know, you never know when a Charlotte Bailey is going to happen on Raw, which is what we're going to talk about next, which I went four and a quarter on. But I mean, the point being... Sometimes you get clusters. January was a cluster month. It just happened, man. It doesn't. There's not some finite number you can have where then it's like, all right, well now you, you, we can't have more than this. <laughs> yeah, darn, I can't do rate anything in July because I mean, you could is... have a hundred great matches one month and zero the next, and that's perfectly fine if that's just where the chips fall. It's like people who try to figure out roulette. I've got a great system to beat the roulette. You're, yeah, well, you're an idiot. You're you don't. never beating the roulette table. Okay, the Martingale system in roulette. Red has come out 15 straight spins. Black has got to come out. <laughs> it's due. <laughs> Black's due. No, it's not, nothing is due. Nobody is due. And the Martingale system is you double your bet until Black comes out, and you're guaranteed to come out ahead. The problem with that, Rich, is as you know, as a man who's always pounding home odds, each spin at, at roulette has independent odds. <laughs> right. You nothing is, what happened before does not does matter. Not affect what the future. Yeah, right. You can have 10 million reds in a row. Okay. Eventually you do the Martingale system. You will be broke. You're going to be out of money. I talked to a roulette dealer in Atlantic city about 10 years ago. And we were talking about that. Cause I play roulette, uh, knowing full well that it's a 100% a game of chance. I do it for entertainment. 
I like roulette too because you can stay there for like two hours if you want. If you're just drinking or whatever, that's yes. yeah, that's a great. Like uh, me and the nurse will go, and that, that's the only game we play because like other things we're we're in and out of there in five minutes. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, twenty on this, twenty. Okay, we're done. Okay, but roulette you can just kind of you know, eh, ten bucks on black. Oh, it's red. Okay, ten bucks on red. Oh, now it's black. You know what I mean? Like you can stay there for three hours if you really just don't really want. To. And then you get like cocky and you're like, oh, well, I'm gonna put all on you know black eleven or whatever. And then you know you lose and you're like, okay, back to back to the black red or the odd even or whatever. But yeah, you can stay on roulette for hours. Yeah. That's that's why I enjoy. If you're if you're going to the casino and you want to make it a whole night thing, yeah, play roulette. It's the easiest. And one, it's you a know. social game because you you you, you know. There's oh, you get all fun with the table. people with you. Yes. You're like, ooh, you know, you're like that's a lot of money on, on on three. You're like, oh yeah, it's my lucky number. You're like, all right, well, good luck. You're you like, start to root for each other. You start to, oh, you've been hitting on three. I'm gonna play three with you. You know, it's just it's a fun game. It's a social game, and and it's totally a game of chance. Though I never played craps though. Craps seems like it's fun for that. That's too, a so- but, uh, oh, absolutely big time. Story. I have no idea how to play. And it, that so just... and that at least has a little bit of strategy. Okay, it's still how you know the house still has the edge, obviously, but but the thing. I was telling this roulette dealer and we were talking about that Martingale system and he says that what they call them in Atlantic City, uh, they call people who who try to Marks, think... I was gonna say. Uh, was that? I was gonna say you could call them marks if you want. Well you could, you could call them marks, but they call them the, the dealers call them bridge jumpers. Because you got these guys and they think they've got roulette all figured out and they're doubling up their bets and they're you know they're playing black because black has got to come out rich. You know <laughs> it's just even rich. even has to come out eventually. And then, you know, they, they, you know, they blow every last dollar and they just sullenly walk away from the table. God, no, they probably emptied everything out of their bank account to do this. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, they're called bridge jumpers and you just never see them again because, you know, they probably jumped off the top of Trump Tower and, you know, <laughs> splatted on the fucking ground, which is the dirty secret of all these of Las Vegas and Atlantic City are the people that jump off of these buildings and they just scrape them up and clean them up and they bury it. You know, they pay off somebody at the Las Vegas Journal Review to bury the story, you know, you you never find out, but people jumping off buildings in Atlantic City is just you know you just don't ever hear about it. But it happens it happens a ton off of parking garages, everything. So uh, that got morbid. But let's yeah, it did about, yeah, jeez. Uh, let's talk about Bailey versus Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, smile a little yeah, bit. There we go. <laughs> so uh, Bailey, she deserved it, Rich. She wins her first uh, WWE Women's Title on the main roster here over Charlotte. I said it before. I thought it was a great match. I went four and a quarter on this. I, I think uh, I haven't seen many other ratings. I know Dave Meltzer gave it four and a quarter. I haven't seen anybody else's. So I don't think I'm completely out the lunch here. People were praising it in real time. Bailey beat Charlotte. I'm going to be a hypocrite now because I don't mind the constant title changes on the raw side because I think all of them have had a purpose. I think all of them are telling a decent story. Um, I think there's this idea that the horsewomen, the three horsewomen that are on that side are sort of evenly matched. We're sharp. Well, it's just that they're better than Naomi and Alexa bliss and Carmella. Yeah. And like, we're talking about another, uh, an upper echelon of women's wrestlers. Yeah. That, that, I'm fine with it on raw as well. Yeah. So, and, and but Charlotte is just the queen bee and somehow she ends up on top. And, uh, and I think she's a tremendous heel and I don't have, and look, like many people are speculating, they're probably building up Charlotte to match her father's number of titles, which depending on how you choose to count them, she's either up to four five or six. She's got, <laughs> she's got four raw titles. She's got the NXT title and she's got the old divas title, which they technically stripped her of before WrestleMania. And then an hour later, 
she became the first women's champion. So it's 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 muddled. Just so just like Rickley, just like her father's, <laughs> just like her father's. Yeah. So we don't know what the official company number is. I mean, she's ha- that's really that's really playing the long game if that's what they're going for. Like maybe like it, just let no, it happen she's, organically she's gonna, and see what happens. Going to be like, there by next May at this pace. <laughs> I was going to say, but like then you're really forcing it. Like maybe just see what happens over time and be like, oh, she's not that far. Okay, like but to, and I and I don't doubt that that actually has come up of like, oh, geez, we should have her beat like. Does it really mean something if she does it in you know, two years? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I think this was a good television moment. I think it was a good moment for Bailey. Um, all of those things. The problem I have with it is, again, I'm going to bring it up again. We're steamrolling towards that four way at WrestleMania, and that takes a lot yeah. of the steam out of it for me. I really wish they would just pick two people and push them. You know why I wish they would just pick two of these women and push them? And give them the spotlight at WrestleMania, Rich. Did you know why I think that? Uh, is it because they had a really good Raw match and it's a perfect example of what you can do if you tell a good story? And Not only that, that's a good reason too. <laughs> we can get invested in, in in at least one of the characters in the, in the match. But so. the other reason is I don't think anyone deserves shit. And I think the two people who deserve – the best two people who deserve the WrestleMania match should get it. I don't believe in shoehorning four people in there because we because we have to get them on the card because they deserve it. Put them in a fucking battle royal, okay? You take your extras, stick them in a battle royal if that's what you want to do. Me, if I was running things, I would take my two hottest acts and put them in the match at WrestleMania. Enough of this four-way stuff. You want to be in the spotlight at WrestleMania? Fucking earn it. Be the hottest person on the heel side or be the hottest person on the face side and earn your way into that position. Again, I might be going all cornet here. I might be going, you know, people, I might be in a bad mood. I don't think I'm that far out of line (laughs) because I'm tired of these four ways. I'm tired of this shit where everyone has to have a spot because they just have to. I don't believe in this. Okay. Charlotte should be in that match for sure. And then the other three should be scrambling and working their ass off to get over to earn the spot opposite of Well, it's a, it's a much better story, too. And that's the problem I always have with the multi-person stories is, like, they, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight, and then they just all get in there. And it's like, well, that kind of – I like the idea that, okay, you got a month now. Who's going to stand out? Who's going to come away and, and, and face Charlotte or whatever? Because you know there's one spot, and you got to get to that spot, and you have to find a way to get there. So that that's a more passionate thing. Then people can rally behind the person that they like or whatever. If you're a big fan of Bailey, then you're really cheering for her. But now, like, if they all get in there, it's just like, oh, okay. Like, again, we talk about diminishing returns. You're, you're way more invested in it if, you, if you're a Bailey fan and, and, and she works her ass off and works her ass off and then she gets that big moment. That's a big moment. But if you're a big Bailey fan and, yeah, okay, well, uh, you know, all four women just go in there. Whatever. Who cares? Like, are you really that, like, passionate about it? Like, that, that loses, that, that, you know, if everybody is in it, nobody's in it. So I, I think it's way cooler if you, if, if, if you have this story where they have to fight to get to that last spot. I think it's, it, it's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, it, it just tells a much better story. Here's the interesting thing about that match, and this broke today. This is the weirdest thing. The match did not do a good number. I'm talking about the ratings. Uh, it was one of the... Uh, Let's see, how did he phrase it? One of the biggest drops that a Raw main event... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It did... The, the total... The, 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 here's what I'm trying to get at here. This is what's weird. This match dropped... Uh, this, this match fell in the ratings as it moved along. But the biggest drop in the, the demo that saw the big... Oh, man, am I botching this. The demo that saw the biggest drop for this match was Teenage Girls Rich. It dropped by 38%. 38% of the teenage females who were watching Raw turned it off during Bailey and Charlotte. I mean, 
ideally, this is who this match and specifically Bailey would appeal to. Do you have any way of explaining why this happened? I, I, I think there's a few different things here. One, I, I, I think people are looking at teenage girls. I don't know that Bailey is really a teenage girl. I wonder if she's younger than that. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Children. I don't children. know that Bailey. I don't know that a 16 year old girl or a 17 year old girl who thinks Bailey is that cool. Right. Like they might think a Sasha's a little bit cooler or whatever. Like because I'm, I'm trying to think of what I, you know when, when I was 17. Like would I have appealed to a a male character that was like Bailey? Probably not. Like I you know like no. There's no way that I would. I would be way way more into the the, the cooler characters or whatever. Bailey's not cool. Bailey's kind of you know and that's fine. I don't. I I love the Bailey character. I think it's fine. But I don't think she appeals to teenage girls necessarily. I think she appeals more to the younger demographic. That's so I think that was kind of. Yeah, so I think that's one thing. Um, how about the, but how about this? How about the fourteen percent drop with adult women? Because for a comparison point, adult men three percent drop, which yeah, is basically nothing. They stayed. Yeah, the, the adult men stuck with the match, but women, teenage years and older, left this match in droves. I mean, and it, it you know it, to speak to your point, uh, female children uh, did not appear to have left the match. It was teenage women and adult women. Who said, you know what? I'm hand waving this and moving on with my night. I just think it's weird because it was a women's main event too, and you'd think that women would be more invested. Yeah, it, it, it's strange. And just just for reference, the week prior, uh, teenage girls left. Fourteen uh, percent of them left. Right. Uh, with a third hour, and, and so and, and to be fair, it's not people are saying you know turn off before the main. It, it was the third hour in general is what we're talking right, about. Right, right, right. So, so I mean that's a pretty good distinction as well, and I think some of that can be related to. Uh, in general, the drops you know, being related to it getting late and people having to go to bed or do other things or whatever. But the fact that it was you, you know thirty eight percent this week versus fourteen percent last week, that's big and that that is worth you know noting in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that it necessarily says that oh Bailey is nobody cares about Bailey or nobody cares about no, Charlotte. The, the, or the sample size is too small. Yeah, I mean we have to see you know, you know yeah who knows we have to see if it's a pattern or whatever. But I I, I think it's interesting and I, I do wonder if. If there is something to it, but I, I'd, I'd like to see it happen a few more times to, 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 to kind of uh, break it down a little bit. But yeah, I think my, maybe my only thing is that they just maybe teenage girls just have no appeal to either Bailey or Charlotte. Or women, and, period. Maybe women or yeah, women, period. Just don't really want to. Yeah, like I don't know. Bailey. I mean, I, I because I, I've never seen this kind of drop for Charlotte. It's never been discussed anyway, if there has been. Yeah, and that's the other problem too is we don't see the ratings. I I, I don't at he least puts look at the observer. ratings. I mean, he doesn't always break them down hour by hour. Yeah, and I guess I don't necessarily follow the breakdowns quite as much right. either. So I think that'd be interesting to see and, and kind of follow. I guess um, you know back in the day the observer used to be way big into that quarter hours. Uh, yeah, quarter hours. Quarter hours disappeared. Uh, yeah, they they really did. So I think that'd be cool to kind of see that to to just see if this is a pattern or if there's something to it. But uh, yeah, it was it was just interesting anyway that this came out and and, and it was a, a story, but. Uh, yeah, very, very odd. Yeah, I would not have – I wouldn't have thought the drop would be that big uh, among that demographic or among any demographic, really. I thought they would all kind of stick with it. But, uh, yeah, to see f- women in general uh, leaving in droves was, was was unique. How about 205 Live dropping the 15th on the network last week? No, nah, 14th, sir. 14th. Oh, 14th. I'm sorry. It moved up from 15th. So is that – it was 15th the week? <laughs> it was 15th last week. I don't week, remember yeah. that. Did we pick on that? Did we make fun of it? Uh, we did. Oh, absolutely. All right, I don't remember doing that. Well, so. I, we, we, I think we, in our in our rant or your your rants, you basically said it's not even in the top ten. Like uh, holy no, fully yeah, reruns yeah. are like beating you. We, I, I don't think we explicitly said fifteen, but yeah, like holy like third run holy fully reruns are like topping two hundred five live, and that's that's not good. You can't be a first run show finishing. Now, this is where it is settled. This is two weeks in a row now. We're in that fourteen fifteen range. That's bad. And there's talk of a potential two hundred five live tour. Oh, that's. That sentence. Man. Now, to be fair, both Chris Harrington and Brandon Howard 
who, by the way, there is a brand new podcast on the network, a brand new episode of WrestleNomics with both of those men. Mm-hmm. Nobody uh, breaks down the economics of WWE better than those two. Literally nobody. Uh, they will get into excruciating yes. detail. So if, <laughs> if you listen, if you read the Observer this week, Dave went super detailed. That's a great compliment to the story Dave wrote to listen to those two talk about it. Okay, but the the they they think that that Vince comment was sort of manipulated, and Vince didn't mean that they would have their own tour, meaning the Cruiserweights, but rather be part of another tour. So it's unclear. Now, if they are planning a 205 Live tour, I think they're crazy. I mean, you're going to have to do it in smaller buildings than you do NXT in, that's for sure. You can't run 5,000-seat auditoriums. You can't run 2,000 or 3,000-seat auditoriums. like. They- yeah, I, I imagine they're, they're smarter than that. I mean, we make fun of them all the time, but business-wise, they're way smarter than that. I mean, they can look at the crowd and see people leaving in droves during a Drew Gulak match or whatever and know that that's just not going to work for a touring brand. No one's going to come watch. You, you know, know, the sad thing is the show's getting better, and – it's, well, the talent's starting to come now. I, thank you. Okay, it's, believe it or not, yeah, shockingly, about. this this uh, Grand Metallic guy, he's really good. I like him. I, I wish I would have seen him sooner. But uh... you know, you start putting Neville and Tazawa and Metallic <laughs> and 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 feature Austin Aries and these people, and and it's funny. It's funny how that works. You know, rather than put <laughs> the first five weeks Davari on TV every week, and I mean, I mean, come on. So it, it's shockingly you put good talent on, and the show gets better. The problem is it's too late, and they've run everybody off. I mean, people tried it the first two or three weeks; they didn't like it, and it's steadily dropped from like second or third every week to fourth or fifth, seventh or eighth, to now it's completely out of the top ten. And well, it's in main event territory now, yeah, where it's just like not. It's a blip flirting with radar. being yeah. out of the top fifteen. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. So. Um, you know, and, and they did talk about a UK tournament. Uh, I'm sorry, a UK tour on the uh, on the call uh, at some point, which we knew was going to come eventually. Um, actually, they didn't even specify UK. They said Europe. So, um, you know, all those guys with those 20K contracts, they might be uh, doing the old Beyonce, a little upgrade, Rich, and uh, bumping them up and running a tour. How do you like that Beyonce reference? I like that. That's good. Nice topical, you know, 2007 reference by you. So that's is that song that old? I think it might be. Uh, wait, let me try to go the old. Get the producer on that. Is it that old? Maybe it's not that old. I think it might be. Let's see, yeah, I think it might be actually too. Let's I think see. it might be. Um, upgrade yo. Uh, come on, come on, upgrade you. Let's see. I mean, it's a terrible <laughs> song, but. 2006. Yeah. Wow. So, there you go. So I was, I was close. I, you were close. You, you almost nailed it. It's not as bad as Single Ladies. That's the worst song ever written. That um, yeah, we've had this. We, we have, yeah. but but Upgrade is a terrible song too. Beyonce stinks. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she's not exactly yeah. working to my demo, but <laughs> but I mean, I can't. You know, and it's it just not a fan. Um, don't I don't see the fuss either. I really don't get it. Between her and Rihanna, I just I I'm I'm with you, understand. dude. But uh, yeah. um, yeah. So uh, I, I see some of these Facebook posts. I have like friends and and friends' girlfriends or whatever, and they're like, "Oh my god, she's a goddess!" And oh my god, and I'm just like, "I okay." Like, oh my god, she's pregnant and like on TV. Like, okay, cool. Who cares? Like, I don't. Couldn't I care never. Less. And they like they would drink like her bath water. They're like weird oh, yeah, and like this... the things they. It's like this weird obsession thing, and I'm like, okay. Like, Beyonce like, fans are hardcore, dude. You, like, we'll probably get some heat for this conversation because, you know, they're out there, and I don't know how many listen to this show, but I'm sure there's a few, and they are fucking. No, they love, like, it's like weird, like, 
the things I'm read, I'm like, oh my god! Like I would get if Beyonce read that, she would probably get a restraining order on you. Like you're you're very weird. And they're like, it's not like they're like sexually attracted to her either. They just like adore everything that she does. It's it's very they really unique. do. And like, I and I don't think the output matches the praise. No God, no. I, I yeah, just not, but again, like I said, we're not target. Demo, we're not target so, demo yeah. here. Okay, she's not. <laughs> Believe it or not, her yeah. songs aren't geared to us. All right, stupid nerdy white men. <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure. But uh, you know whatever. Um, we're not stupid. We're nerdy. Nerdy white men. For sure. Did you want to dig deeper on this WWE business? Because we're running long here. You... Nah, nah. That's fine. I mean, if you want to, the WrestleNomics Radio, uh, they posted it Sunday, but you can find it on our network feed, uh, the power, podcast network feed, WrestleNomics Radio with Harrington and, and, and Brandon Howard. Do that. They will go into the detail that you need because we're idiots too and we'll just be reading you know, what other people wrote. So yeah, don't worry about that. New Japan Pro Wrestling, new beginning in Osaka. We talked about Sapporo last week and we previewed this Osaka show. Um, this was a significantly better show than the Sapporo show on paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on paper, Brand it was laps. going to be. And uh, it delivered in practice as well, not just on the paper, Rich. Let's start at the top of the card so we're not rushing through because I think we only have about an hour and change left here. And it took us an hour to go through Elimination Chamber. Um, Naito Elgin, this is the big talk this week. I love this. Um, I don't know any of your thoughts on this because I think you didn't watch the show until maybe today or yesterday. I watched it yesterday, yeah. So um, I watched it in real time. Um, I was going apeshit like everybody else. I went the full five here. I didn't have have the five-star fear. I thought this was a five-star match. I tweeted it out uh, moments after the match. I thought that the work here was just phenomenal particularly from Michael Elgin. I thought this was the best Michael Elgin performance of his career. I thought he was great in every facet. I thought he, you know, uh, his selling in particular. I mean, I thought overall, I'd say he did a better job than Okada did the week before. I really, I really believe that. And I think Okada, as we talked about last week, I'm someone who thinks Okada did a great job. I think Elgin was even better. Um, I love that they had callbacks to their previous matches where they worked in spots that were the finishes of their previous matches, but were kickouts in this match. And that's what you want to see. You want to see wrestlers who are learning from the prior matches and adjusting and, 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 and building off of what they've done before. I thought they, they did that. I thought the, uh, the, the pacing of the match was tremendous. At no point during this match was I bored. At no point during this match was I not interested. I thought everything had meaning. Uh, look, I thought it was a five-star match. So there's really nothing for me to critique here. I when, I when I was done with this match, look, this wasn't the kind of match I don't think. Now, look, it had, ex- it, it had exciting moments, and it was exciting down the stretch. This was not a jump-off-your-couch match, though, I don't think. Um, but I, I do think there, there was a, a, a strong element of drama and the work was so good that when I was finished with this match, I did not have a doubt in my mind. I said to myself, Joe, that was a perfect pro wrestling match. That is a five-star match. I didn't have any doubt. And when there's no doubt, Rich, I go the full five. Yeah, I could definitely see that. The things that I loved about the match, um, and, and I'll give my overall thoughts about it, I love the, the, the inclusion of the eye in the match where, where whenever Naito was down or whenever something was going wrong or whatever, he would just do the eye rake just to be a fuck. And Elgin would sell the hell out of that too because, you know, of course, they would tie in the story that, you know, Naito, you know, broke his orbital bone earlier or whatever. So Naito, you know, he always, he focused on the knee, but when, when the going got tough and he really needed a bailout, you know, he'd punch him in the eye or he'd kind of eye rake him or whatever. And that would be the big story then is like then Elgin would have to stop in his tracks and kind of, you know, sell that eye, which I thought was fantastic because they did it. They didn't do it all the time. They didn't have him focused on the eye the entire time. But 
but it was used as sort of this Naito, you know, emergency switch where he'd go, okay, well, I can just punch this guy in the eye, and then he's going to, you know, go away for a little bit. So I enjoyed that, too. I thought um, – you saying that it was an all-time Elgin performance, I absolutely 100% agree. I think it, it, it was – as as good as you can ever get from Michael Elgin, and we're big Elgin fans here, and I, you know, I, I particularly really enjoy him too. But I thought this was the best of the strongman Elgin. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of times we had seen you know kind of spotty Elgin in the past, and those matches were great and, and really good. But this was this was Elgin harnessing the I'm the strongest guy in the room type thing. I'm the strongest guy in this roster type thing. Like a little bit of the Scott Norton in him. You know what I mean? Like the real big strong thing where he's he's just out there and he's tossing him around and 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 just at multiple points during the match, he proved that he was just the stronger man than Naito, and that whenever whenever the going got tough and Naito got a little too cute he would just get strong on him and it was like that you know the tope where he just held him up in the suplex or whatever the the power bomb out to the barricade out there like just stuff like that he was just really good at harnessing that and, and looking like the big power wrestler that he was I think the one thing that I was a little disappointed on is it didn't have the jump off your couch moments that you were saying and that's why I don't know that I would go five with it I'd maybe go four and a half or, or somewhere around there and that's why I didn't really necessarily like it as much as others because when I was going back and reading people and everyone's like five stars and this sort of thing I was like ah I don't know like because I just didn't quite have what you know, you know to me Omega and Okada was a no doubt five star match when that was over I stood up applauded and said that is that is perfect wrestling right there I will give it the perfect rating when this was done I said I enjoyed this match and I thought it was very good and I told a really great story or whatever but it, it wasn't to the level that an Omega Okada was for me and, and that's unfortunately kind of the standard bearer for this year uh, for five star matches the standard bearer for what I consider all five star match I mean that was just an incredible all time uh, great match. So I, I just don't know that I thought this one got to that level. And it and it probably was, like you said, it didn't have the moments that really made you jump up and go, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But the story they told was great. And it was still like, you know, people are going to read this as, oh, you're, you hated the match or you're burying it. Or, I'm not burying it. I mean, four and a half stars is very good. I just I don't know if it was five star, but I still enjoyed the fuck out. I thought it was a really, really awesome match. But uh, we'll get to the match that, uh, that that preceded it. And I actually like that match more than I like the main event. So. I don't I, listen. I gave that one. You're talking about uh, Hiromu versus Dragon Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. That doll. Oh, I thought that was. So I went. Good. Five, I gave that four. Go ahead. I went four and uh, four and three quarters with that. I, I love that match. Was so good. I love that match. Same thing. Four and three quarters out of me as well. Um, look, and I'm not saying that Naito Elgin wasn't exciting when I say it didn't have the jump. Oh no, no, no. I think anybody who watched it knows what you mean, though. I think. yeah. Like, I it, mean a backdrop through a table on the outside. Uh, for for you know a, a recent frame of reference, uh, you know that big jump off the couch moment that you that you get in a big match. It didn't have that. It had plenty of excitement, especially down the stretch. So I don't want to miss uh, you know, people to misinterpret what I'm saying and start tweeting out that Joe Lanza thought it was boring. I mean, I gave the match five fucking stars. Right, I, I said it sucked. Joe Lanza thought it was boring, and Rich Kurt said it sucked. Those right, but I mean those New Japan haters. They're hating New Japan again as usual. So we're always so negative, negative, Joe. We're always negative. so negative. Yeah. <laughs> Last week we were negative. The week before we were positive. The week before that we were too negative. It really is amazing. But, uh, you know, that that's people. Yeah, so the Hiromu Takahashi. And by the way, I thought Naito, the, the finish was the proper finish. I'm glad that Naito won. No, no, yeah. Um, but but a lot of people expected Elgin to win and thought Elgin should win. I, I think stay the court. Look, they sold out Sapporo. They sold out Osaka. Business is good. Why fuck with it? Okay, stay the course. Whatever plan they have. Stay, uh, stay with that plan. Whatever they're doing is working. So I, I, I no problem with the finish. I think Naito should continue to hold this title and can, and should continue to headline 
yeah, and Elgin looked like a million bucks. He even did. He was losing. I, this, like, who who's really going to go out of that match and go, oh, damn it, Elgin sucks. He lost the match. Everyone's going, oh, my God, what a great performance by Elgin. He took Naito to the absolute limit. I mean, he, El, this is one of those losses where you come out better than when you came in. Exactly, yeah. So. And he's lost to Naito, what, three times in a row now, and it's elevated him. I mean, that's – guys, I say it all the time. Well, if anything, then when that actually when he actually wins, it's going to be a big fucking deal. Bigger deal, you know, and – let that moment <laughs> mean something. Yeah. And it's something I say all the time. When you're looking at booking, you got to look at the bigger picture things. This is a man who cannot beat this guy, but he, he still comes out better for it. That's great booking. That's great booking. Where a guy can constantly lose to the same opponent, and then he comes out of yet another loss to that opponent, and he looks great for it. And he's, he comes out of the match better than when he came in. That's what you need to look at when you look at booking. Not some dope lost the fifth most important title too quickly. Okay, these are the things that matter when it comes to great booking. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was the right finish. I thought the right guy won um, all of those things. And I think um, – I forgot what else I was going to say. So we'll just move on to the semi-main event, which was Hiromu Takahashi and Dragon Lee. We both went four and three quarters. I don't know – look, I love this match. It's either this one or the Fantastica Mania one from last year, which are my favorites out of these two guys. And I've seen them all, except for like the five-minute lightning matches that they've had. I've seen all the longer ones. Those are my two favorites. But this was a lot different than the Cork and Hall match they had. The Cork and Hall match was more of a – I thought they told a different kind of story. in the. They told a story in the Cork and Hall. This was a car crash. This was the best possible example of an absolute car crash. Um, these guys- well, this is brutal. That one wasn't brutal. If you go back and watch that one, that one was, you know, we talked about the the the, the Ricochet Osprey one being kind of a show offy. Right. I thought that Fantastic Mini one was kind of that. They got cute, and it was kind of like, hey, look what I can do, or look what you can do. This was fucking brutal. These guys were killing each other. Now, I thought there was more. I thought the Cork and Hall match had better traditional pro wrestling psychology because they told a story in that match. But this one was just a car. This was just who's gonna die first. Literally, we thought someone might die with the crazy shit that they were doing. Too many insane spots to bring up. Too many insane <laughs> spots to name. I know you in particular. You liked what did you like when they were on? Apron? I like the one. So so uh, Dragon Lee went for his little apron power bomb or uh, his apron. Uh, damn it, I, I ruined it because he went for the apron Hurricane Rana, and then Takahashi turned it into an apron power bomb. But it wasn't like it was like a fucking like a hard power bomb too. Like and it happened so quickly too because you think okay, Dragon Lee's gonna do his little apron Hurricane Rana, whatever. Then uh, Takahashi just grabs him and power bombs, and it just it sounded brutal. It looked brutal, and I. I watched it and I just went, oh, like it was one of those moments where like and I, you know, I don't suspend disbelief all that much in wrestling. But I was like, oh, my God, he's might be dead like that is going to hurt so much. But this match had like four or five moments where you're like, God damn it. Like even Kelly and and, and Callis, you could tell they were like because I listened to the English commentary. They were like, oh, my God, Takashi's head bounced off the railing. And, oh, Dragon Lee smacked his head on the on the on this. And, like, the half the match was like, oh, geez, this. Oh, geez. Oh, oh, God. Like, oh, God. And, like, I don't usually have, like, the, geez, these guys should really think about their well-being. But this was one when, where I was like, all right, guys, maybe I want to reel it in here a little bit. But I, I didn't mind it because it was, it was absolutely the story that those two have to tell, you know, however many matches into the series that they are. Like, the, it has to be, like, one of these men have to die to prove that they're better than the other at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I it, look, everyone knows where we stand on that stuff. We're not going to go through all that again. Well, I don't care what these guys do to their own bodies. I, I, I am not the arbiter of what someone should do with their body. This stuff never bothers me. I don't even care about chair shots to the head. And I know that makes me an evil villain. If these guys want to bash each other's skulls in with chairs, I don't even care about that. I mean, I just don't. Um, so, you know, it, it's from that perspective, the physicality of this match and the danger of this match 
didn't bother me at all. To me, it adds to it. I, I think uh, stuff like that looks cool. Okay, so maybe I'm cold-hearted, but that's the way Joe Lanza looks at things. If it entertains me, I'm happy about it. Um, you know, to a point. You know, when it gets to like uh, death matches and stuff, that's kind of where I draw the line. But when it comes to bumping, is I don't care what these guys do to their bodies. Um, but but yeah. So look, I thought this was maybe the best possible example of this style of match. I mean, that that, that I've ever seen. Um, if you're asking why I didn't just give it the extra quarter star, I'll give the the, the faintest of crit- criticisms here. I thought that. The finish was a little bit flat. I didn't think it, it. The finish had the kind of oomph that I like to see in what I would call. A yeah, the rest of the match felt so impactful, and the finish was just kind of there. Do you think yeah. that was a product of doing so much in the match that you really couldn't come up with something? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Other than like, I'm not sure what's left other than yeah. you know a, a top rope, you know, double Canadian destroyer or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so I mean that's what it has to unfortunately have to be. But I guess I, I, I suppose you could tell it in that story too, where it's like these guys have just beaten each other so much that maybe the end doesn't have to be something crazy. It just has to be one little thing that can finally the guy just gives up and says, "Forget it. I I, I don't. I can't fight anymore or whatever." Because I thought what was good about this match is it was a spot fest in in a sense, but it wasn't like one after the other. Like everything got time. And you were just kind of building to the next crazy thing where they kill each other, which which I, I like a little bit more sometimes than just, a, OK, I did this move. And then, you know, 10 seconds later, we're doing this thing. and We're doing this thing. I thought it was kind of cool, but it did have some of that, too. There was like, you know, the, the German suplex, no cells and that sort of things. But these guys are just idiots that just, you know, what I mean, like and for me, I don't I don't care about them. No selling because I just know that they're thank morons. You for, like, that's the story. Yeah, that up. Because it's going to transition into the point I wanted to make about this match and the near universal, really universal. I haven't seen anybody bash the match. Yeah. I've seen people say, all right, maybe they should slow it down a little, things like that, but they still enjoyed the match. But you said the word, you said the phrase, no sell. These two guys, and this is where I think a lot of people are hypocrites, because it's real funny how people will go on and on. And I know who you are because I watch and I read everything and I see what you people say. Okay, so people are going to say Joe Lanza's building a straw man again. They could say that all they want. Okay, I pay attention to everybody. I read everybody's reviews. And if you're one of these people who rail on and on and on about Kazuchiko Okada throwing a drop kick after his knee has been worked on. Or you rail on and on and on because somebody doesn't limp enough for your liking, okay, in a match, and you and claim that that's a match destroyer and all of these things. And we've all seen the limb selling arguments, and they've been done to death, and we've talked about them on this show. And you're also someone who praises these Hiromu Dragon Lee matches. You are a hypocrite because these guys don't sell a fucking thing. So tell me, Rich, tell me, please play devil's advocate. Please, please tell me what the difference is besides not limping enough on a leg and these two guys not selling anything in any of the matches they have because they don't. And again, I'm not – look, I loved it. I don't mind that these guys don't sell because of what you just said. There's many different stories you can tell in pro wrestling. The story that these two guys choose to tell is – we are going to kill each other. Yeah, one of us fucking will, stupid. Yeah. One of us will eventually not get up. And I have no problem with that story. They do it well. They do an excellent job at it. They're supremely athletic. They have unique charisma, particularly Hiromu. And I have no problem with the story they're telling. What my problem is hypocrites not having a problem with that story. Because if you're going to pontificate and you're going to stand up on your on your altar and point down at the rest of us plebs who don't understand what good selling is, how can you praise the matches that these guys have? I'm going to read you something from 2015 that I wrote. Do you remember Lanza Review's 10 random matches? 
I do, yeah. Do you remember how awesome those were and how everyone loved them and I just decided to stop doing them because I'm lazy? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. It got good traction on the website, you know, got a lot of hits. Yeah, so of course, you know. I reviewed a, uh, at, that, at the time, Come 